Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Tarantino Film. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Sorry you all missed the great travel story we just had. <laughs> You're just going to have to leave it at that. You'll always wonder. Yeah. It's part of the myth mythos of... You know we what? We'll, we'll make it a bonus content. That's for, right. We'll just have to for re, nobody re, for nobody for us it uh, was for us. Bonus content. It already was bonus content. Yeah, they it was. It that. was you and I yeah. chatting uh, and telling anecdotes with our dear friend Ben Acker. Ben Acker, who's joining us today on the show. Hello, hi, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Always that's a, what my voice goes like. Yeah. <laughs> Check one, two. Always great hello, to have hello. writers on the show. Yeah. Get in the second draft. Yeah. <laughs> so we asked you here today to talk about Quentin Tarantino films. Yeah. He just released uh, his ninth in his, he said he's done after 10. So we're going to go through those nine movies and we're going to pick definitively once and for all. For all time. Until the 10th one comes out. Until yeah. the 10th one comes out. Yeah. Because that's going to be the best yeah. one. For all time, just until next year or whenever. But yeah. not, they're no, not every year. 10 years or whatever. Isn't it the sequel to Kill Bill with the daughter of the... Is that what he's doing? I mean, that's wait. what he said he wanted to do. Yeah. I'm not going to hold him to it. He's not doing his Star Trek. Yeah, f*** him. Yeah. Wait, was he going to do a Star Trek? He was. As but number then 10. That, I was going to say, would that have been his 10th Star movie? Trek 10. Yeah. His number 10. His 10 was going to be a Star Trek. Probably, I think he directs a lot of stuff as like, this isn't part of the 10. Yeah. That's how he gets to keep working. Yeah. Is it, I think that's just the ones that he's like auteur on, like writer, director. Uh huh. Does he edit? And he doesn't edit his movies. No. Famously not. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They're all five hours long. Yeah. No, no, no. There's the, what's the name of his editor? I think she passed, but oh. there was a thing, there was a bit where people would say hi as they were doing the clapboard or whatever. Mm-hmm. They would tell her hello. And oh. it was like, you can see the real, it's really warm. It's, it's oh, sweet. Oh, that's very sweet. Um, he had a, an editor that he worked with who is no longer with us. Right. And we are all, you can tell Tarantino fans enough to know the name yeah. of that editor. That, that we're not, not even, telling it. We're I'm, not telling I'm Tarantino you know fan too. enough yeah. to ask if he edits his own movies. <laughs> Look, if you're listening, you're a fan. We're not going to say the name. You already know it. Yeah. That's, right. Don't, that's not, we're not pandering. Yeah. yeah. That's not what we're about. Yeah. We're, we're going deep, nitty gritty. But no names. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep this. No <laughs> names and no kissing. We refuse. Not even titles, names-wise. No, we uh, don't know. <laughs> Speaking of no names yeah. and aliases, should we start with his first movie? That would be Reservoir Dogs. Yes. yes. 1992's Reservoir Dogs. The characters had aliases. I get what you said. aliases. Yeah. Right. Why I, I, I got to be Mr. Pink. Good yeah. segue. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll try to find him every once in a while. Yeah, do we want to do this? Speaking of segways, Reservoir Dogs was a great movie. <laughs> Remember when they <laughs> rode segways? Yeah. Slowly and Paul Blart and Mall Cop chased them. Yeah, that's not what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about these movies. I uh, I like Reservoir Dogs. I feel like the. His early stuff is, is controversial. Take yeah, yeah. That was the, that was the most podcasty sentence and delivery you've ever yeah. done on this. I show. really like it, and uh, thank you for listening. I like Reservoir Dogs. Now you know. No, I like it. Get the, the cash app. His the dialogue's really good. It's got like classic Tarantino 
deep dive on unimportant things. Dialogue. And it introduced that idea, I guess, right? Deep dive on unimportant things, right? Unimportant things, but also the tipping. Like, on or on? I'm, I'm having trouble understanding uh, you. On un, a deep dive? On unimportant things. Okay, all Taking right. an unimportant thing and, Thank you. And, and analyzing it to death, but for our entertainment. Mm-hmm. And the vi- Just like, giving character to what used to be cliche uh, tropes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it has like his hyper violence. It has all the elements of a Tarantino film, and the music is great. I, I, I feel like he has gotten a little bit, a little bit more adept as Tarantino-y. a filmmaker. Right. Not Tarantino-y, but he's like learned to make different movies. I think. Like, What's well, his first movie? So it, like all of these yeah. things that you say, like, but it's not. It's, it's, like it's a Tarantino a, thing. Yeah. Like, didn't exist before Reservoir Dogs. But so it doesn't it does, feel like a film school project or anything. No. It just it feels like he got better at doing what he does. But that's a really good first. If you're gonna make a first movie, mm-hmm. that's that's better than a lot of people's like last movie mm-hmm. in terms of knowing what your voice is. Knowing what you're, what kind of movie you want to make and making it. And he started his bullpen of actors that he has dipped into that well so many times, uh, over the years. Yeah. Where do you sit on Tarantino? Do you like Tarantino? Are you, do you like, like part of what he does? I liked Tarantino. Like it was Reservoir Dogs was, you know, I was maybe a freshman in college. Yes, that's right. I was a freshman in college and I had, uh, one of the few copy, like it hadn't hit yet. It was Pulp Fiction was coming out. People liked Natural Born Killers mm-hmm. and uh, True Romance, but did, but didn't necessarily know who Tarantino was yet. But I was like a film kid and had the copy that everybody came through my dorm room to watch. So yeah. I watched Reservoir Dogs a lot of times, mm-hmm. and it was one of the first movies I ever got sick of. Like, or maybe not sick of, but like I've seen this enough. Yeah. I don't need to do that anymore, but like was excited for Pulp Fiction and love True Romance. I think True Romance. Oh, never mind. Cut that out. <laughs> spoiler for the end of my opinion about where this is all going. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I just said the thing that you save. But yeah, I was excited for Pulp Fiction and liked that and was into him like as a, a guy. I was excited for the first Kill Bill. Was there one between? I think he Pulp went Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill? Uh, Jackie Brown. Oh, yeah. Jackie Brown was all right with – that was a time when people were making meandering movies. There mm-hmm. was – your Big Lebowski was yes. around that time where it was like these the, – the interesting people were doing like slow talky things that mm-hmm. I appreciate later. Uh, not to take you through one by one my things. Generally, yeah. I, I liked him and feel like I grew and he didn't in okay. a way. Like he's still making mm-hmm. a kind of movie. And like, I'm looking for other things. Like, Hateful Eight took me out. I like Django. Yeah. Um, Hateful Eight took me, took me so far out of him that, uh, I didn't think I was ever going to watch another of his. Like, I get it. Do your thing. People like it. That's fine. Um, but I ended up seeing for this podcast, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. He is like, that's a good question. Is, is he, there are some filmmakers that you do, you either grow beyond them, their work. Or you're just you're like meandering in your interest. Like he is definitely a a sort of specific genre, even if he's mm-hmm. gone from unto himself. Yeah, unto himself, and it borrows heavily. If you like spaghetti westerns, or if you like the grindhouse movies of the sixties and seventies, like all movies, of his, yeah. you're probably gonna like what he does. And maybe your interest in those 
waxes and wanes over time. And I, there are some filmmakers who sort of work beyond what they initially do. Spiel, all Spielberg movies are Spielberg movies, but mm-hmm. there's a world of difference between E.T. and Schindler's List. Is there? <laughs> yeah, one's black and white. Right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. They both take place on Earth, though. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly. Mostly. Yeah. Cut that out. <laughs> uh, did you did you mean edit that or were you just telling us in the moment like hey he's live editing our podcast <laughs> should we be saying hello to you before we start recording <laughs> and edit point <laughs> <laughs> um it's interesting though do you think all filmmakers should evolve as filmmakers and change what they're doing because like there's some filmmakers that are just like like a Chris Columbus movie. Like I loved Chris Columbus movies growing up. And then you kind of like, you know, you want to see something that's different or darker or more, you know, uh, speak to who you speak become. to who I am in a yeah. moment. Right. Is that, is a director's job to continue to change what they do or like, you know what? I'm going to make Chris Columbus movies and then a new generation of fans is going to. And that depends on your, yeah. you know, your aesthetic and, and what you want to be as an artist. Do you think that there's a, what do you think Tarantino falls on that spectrum? I, I think he's found his spot where he makes the Tarantino movies yeah. that are the Tarantino movies. And it's, uh, you know, Dave Eggers, do you know Dave mm-hmm. Eggers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the funniest writers, like when he writes funny things, he's the winner of it. Mm-hmm. And, but he, I think reads more serious things and has tried to become a more serious and, and I miss the funny, funny Eggers, you mm-hmm. know, but that's, you know, you can't, on the one hand, I, you can't wish an artist was doing the thing that you wanted them to do. Right. right. And on the other hand, uh, do some funny things. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Eggers. Yeah. Come on. Did he pass off the funny? Cause he created McSweeney's didn't he? And yeah, but also might magazine. Oh, I don't know that. Do you magazine. remember Might mm-hmm. magazine? He, in his heartbreaking work of Staggering Genius, he mm-hmm. talks about doing this magazine, but that was in uh, high school. We would read the hell out of this thing. It was just a ridiculous, silly, like cerebral National Lampoon kind of a thing, mm-hmm. which I guess National Lampoon probably kind of was, but it was full of just fun running bits. There was a cheese list of just stuff that was cheesy, which meant something back mm-hmm. then. You're right. <laughs> um, uh, and, and also giant articles. The last uh, issue of McSweeney's had like, the cover story was are black people cooler than white people and it was somebody's like yeah like a graduate thesis yeah that they printed uh, of course was the answer like sentence one yeah but let's look into why and it was like thoughtful compelling irreverent stuff uh and then and and his like copyright information or like the 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 generic stuff of it he would riff and it was hilarious yeah they yeah. would do things like uh, not to get off on a tangent, like that's all could, we do on this show. Yeah. Uh, not never heard it. Um, <laughs> the like if you, they, to earn to make money, they had a an eight hundred number you could dial, and you could just ask. This is before the internet was generally available. You could ask mm-hmm. the interns anything, and they had to find the answer. Ooh, did you ever use it? <laughs> My friend Charlotte called them what a lot of times. It was just like, what's the history of Poland? <laughs> oh, oh, not like a yes or no or a no, single answer like, question. Tell me everything you know about like uh, the American flag, uh, or <laughs> wow. should I ask that guy out? Like she, oh. she abused the privilege. I think that they, I think she became friends with the intern. I'm glad it's an 800 number too. Mm-hmm. So because back then, you know, yeah, because they were they were using it to make money. Yeah, so 900 number. Oh, it was a 900, 900 number. Whatever it was, where you put your credit card. Yes, oh it was a 900. Yeah. yeah. Has it been that long? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I just know. look. I just remember ten ten three two one when you wanted to make a collect call. Oh yeah, yeah. And the only one always... I know is uh, w- <laughs> wait. What is it? 
Oh, I don't know it anymore. Never mind. <laughs> you saw that happen. No. <laughs> I had one in my fingertips. <laughs> for years, the number for we unemployment. We just watched something leave your for, brain. The for unemployment in LA, I called it so often in my 20s. <laughs> That I've you had just it. Knew it, and then now, oh my god, I've worked pretty steady. Congratulations! Thank you. you no right? longer Look at remember. Three hundred, three hundred, five, six, one, six. What was? Oh it? no, <laughs> no, it can't be. It's not an eight hundred number, right? I, Maybe. Probably. We should call it and find out. You reeled it off so quickly. One hundred. Uh, good. I don't have it. You I don't have it. It's good. gone. Congratulations well, on your success. Yeah, we were Thank here you. for the glow up. That's all. That's what's important. <laughs> Forget that number. Never calling them again. All right, and that's our episode. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank so you reservoir all. dogs. Uh-huh. Um, all I right, liked let's, it. What is it? I liked it. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It set the it set the tone for what his movies were going to be. The next movie that he uh, the next we're, we're just doing the the big ones, the big nine. Right? Yes. This is what we've determined. Well, there's one I think that may not be in the big nine that I'd like to throw in, but we'll wait till we get there. Okay. Since we're going chronologically. And the next one was arguably a masterpiece or the masterpiece. Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I think Pulp Fiction is one of the best movies of the last half century. Best. How do you mean? What? Describe. I Well, for, okay, for me personally, I yeah. saw it in the theater, I think, five times. Wow. Like, I, I just loved it. I thought it was cool storytelling. I liked the way that time was messed with throughout. I thought that the characters are all – you mentioned, like – talky pieces talky pieces with interesting characters that's what that was but also full of action and compelling enough that it was i thought a really fun way of telling a story in the in the bouncing around the way that he did yeah i just i the, the soundtrack is amazing it's just a cool movie i do think that Boy, dropping a lot of uh, dropping a lot of n bombs, especially coming like out. Like you of, did in Reservoir Dogs. Like you did in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. And another thing that's the thing against Reservoir Dogs as well is like, by a, through a twenty twenty lens, uh, a bunch of white people dropping n bombs is jarring. Yeah, I mean, the question is, do you disqualify all of that work in twenty twenty when it came out in nineteen ninety two and nineteen ninety right. five? Like you have to take it in context to a, a certain degree. I, I remember seeing Pulp Fiction in the theater. The non-linear storytelling was great. I practically wore out the soundtrack CD like everybody did. Yeah. Like listening to, to the music. And- Had the poster on my dorm and wall in college, the yeah. one that looked like the novel cover. It brought John Travolta back. It was a huge yeah. renaissance for him. It helped. It brought take- a lot of people it back. It took Samuel L. Jackson from like a character actor to a leading man. It, d- it did a lot Bruce of. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis was in it. Yeah. yeah. Bruce Willis oh. is also there. He was great. I love Bruce Willis. I'm not yeah. knocking Bruce Willis. But he had like, he was not, not in a slump, but he wasn't like, that was one of his like mega things, right? Sure. It was part of a great run for, I mean, you know, it started yeah. with Die Hard and then the other Die Hards. And then Save all the it for the Die best Hards. Bruce Willis movie yeah. episode, you guys. Yeah, I guess I, yeah, I guess I forgot anymore. about John McClane. So yeah. he never really had a, from Moonlighting on, he never really had a lull. It was Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk yeah. is amazing. <laughs> Hudson Hawk is an awesome movie. Yeah, but it was a lull. Yeah, yeah, I guess. It was a gut punch to the Bruce Willis train. Yeah. yeah. You know, to but make they, the metaphor. But they timed you know, the heist to swing on oh the my star. God, all yeah, the time. no, I remember it. Yeah. I brought it up. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> remember they rob art? <laughs> no, they do? They rob paintings? No, no, they Art Carney from, uh, they rob Art no, Carney from the Honeymooners. Um, yeah. it's, it's got elements of your show. There's Vatican intrigue, right? And uh, they actually shot in the same, there's a scene in Hudson Hawk 
where they are in the Vatican, and that room also is my office on Blood and Treasure. Oh, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, which I thought was pretty awesome. And you got a tattoo of it, right? I got a tattoo of the whole room. <laughs> also, uh, the same Vatican office from The Godfather Part 3, the worst of The Godfather <laughs> movies. Oh, save it for the episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do worst Godfather movie <laughs> episode. We're going to take you through. Yeah. It's going to be a mini-sode. <laughs> Does it hold up? I think if you take like the first half of his work, mm-hmm. you divide it into halves, so you kind of would have to take Pulp Fiction. Maybe it's the – How would that be the, how would that be the first half of it's the second movie that he made? Be- well, if you go f- – No, he's talking about five. Bruce Willis movies. Yeah. If you oh, we're talking about Bruce Willis movies. movies. It's not Willis's the second career. movie Bruce Willis made. Yeah. yeah. And then Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah, it does That's feel like it feels like it feels like it. Pulp Fiction did that. Like it just took everybody's. I don't know if it like revived everyone's career, but it made so many people cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it was a gigantic hit. He won yeah. the Oscar for best uh, best original screenplay mm-hmm. along with um, was it Lawrence Bender? Is that who he wrote that with? Was this ninety four? Yeah, it was ninety four. So it yeah. lost to Lost Best Picture to Forrest, Forrest Gump. Gump yeah, mm-hmm. there is a. Here's, let me plug another podcast. Yeah. Uh, there's a podcast called Best Pick mm-hmm. that is, uh, they go year by year talking about the Oscar, the best, the winner of the best picture Oscar. Mm-hmm. But they also talk about the context of movies that year mm-hmm. as well as the Oscar ceremony that year. Mm-hmm. And they don't go in order. They pick at the end of the episode out of a hat what year the next oh. episode will be. Cool. And oh, it I is an English podcast and it is very ordered. It's very orderly. Here's this section where we talk about these things, uh, and these three friends, longtime friends. Go through and talk about the movies that year, and it's a great way to hear about like a year in pictures and and who was born that year, who died that year, all sorts of things. But the and, and Ben Blacker pointed this podcast out to me, yeah. and we were walking into a meeting, and he was effusive about the for the episode that he had listened to that was the entry point was 1994, mm-hmm. where they talk about just the it was one of these amazing it's like 1938, years where it was just a crazy yeah. great, and then movie for year. Forrest Gump to win was yeah. just nonsense and amazing i liked forrest gump well you were wrong uh, well, all right i was in i was in 10th grade or ninth grade yeah but you still had taste i did have taste i, I mean, didn't a, think it was a bad movie no it was but you uh, yes stop. you did you stop i will for years now you and i have always been it's you hate every movie and i love every movie and still and one of my right <laughs> still one of my favorite moments in a movie theater ever was we went to see the terrible man of steel movie oh my god yeah and when superman punches into the ground and then lifts off ben is sitting next to me and just slowly holds up his hand for a high five <laughs> and i was like you are you are doing this ironically i'm gonna give you this high five in earnest nope because this is an awesome mo- i don't care if this movie's not great i don't care if somehow there's still people downtown at a museum when the city for the last hour has been exploding Just around them cover his eyes with your hand you don't have to kill him your hand is invincible there's only one thing you can do snap his neck no that's the that's the last thing on my mind i'm superman cover his eyes with your hand you've been on earth longer you got more sun in you you're stronger than him did you cover. drop the mic? <laughs> I just took a break from hating Man of Steel again for the very first oh, time. I'm glad I could bring that up. Oh. Yeah, let's. Oh no, let's get back Good to Lord. Pulp Fiction. Let's get back to a great movie. Uh-huh. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Asterisk. <laughs> Is that problematic? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, but th- that's all of his early stuff. Do you think that was... And current stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, at least he's you, like... He doesn't drop... The, does he drop that in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No. No, he just kicks Bruce Lee's ass. Yeah. Like he dreamed he would when he was a child. Right. I mean, I guess that's a sign of maturation. Like, that he... <laughs> That he stopped having white dudes drop N-bombs. For and then, one movie. <laughs> is it just the one movie? That's like... Do you think that The Hateful Eight was real woke? <laughs> I didn't see The Hateful Eight. There are two movies on this list I did not see. Jackie Brown and The Hateful Eight. You're fine uh, on one of them. You do not need to see The Hateful, Hateful Eight. Yeah, I hear it's just In garbage. Fact, that is all we have to discuss of it. If there's anything you want to say about it, like the fact that they he shot it in some crazy aspect ratio... That for is made for play. outdoors <laughs> and then put them in one room and made a bottle episode of a movie where you don't care about anyone. It's all anything. it's all in one location, huh? Yeah. It's in some cabin. And then whenever they do the big reveal of what the hell is going on, I was like, I didn't I wasn't tracking this and I do not care. And I and Oh look, we're being nonlinear like Tarantino. Yeah. Dramatic. Look at this. <laughs> and I and somehow I like Kurt Russell less. For this movie, and I love Kurt Russell very much. What's your favorite Kurt Russell movie? Oh. Save it for another. We'll say it on the same time. One, two, three. Captain Ron. Trouble, little trying. Yeah, I think that's the correct sorry. One. Sky High. <laughs> that's the best one. I think it's Big Trouble, but the thing is the, the thing best is one. also great. Yeah. yeah, I love the thing. And Escape from New York is also great. <laughs> and you know what? Overboard is great. No. Overboard, yes, it is, but not the Kurt Russell one. Sorry, the Anna Faris one. Overboard, the... Uh, oh, oh there, yeah. there's a Kurt Russell one? <laughs> the kidnapping movie. You were just saying things that you liked. <laughs> oh! And coincidentally, yeah, there was a Kurt Russell one. Oh, my God. Please, Computer War 10 issues. I don't even remember the unemployment number anymore. one 800 There you go. It's back. Wow. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so sorry. You lost whatever job you had. Probably. <laughs> um, so is, are we... We're just... This is our discussion part of Hateful Eight is it's no good. What was the aspect ratio that he did it in? Like it was wider? to four. It was wider or it was narrower? Wider. Yeah. It was like a like some really big... Uh, he shot it in a way that, that a Western would be shot to show you like the Mesa or these big sweeping right. planes. That means you, the table. You get to see that briefly. <laughs> you did you say Mesa table? means table? Yeah, it does. <laughs> And then immediately they go indoors, and there's there's no point in That's that annoying. at all. But you yeah. can see all the way from that chair to this chair, yeah. the whole room is in complete focus. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, that's nice. It's so nice. Yeah, I can take a panorama with my iPhone as well if I'm inside a room. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, Quentin Way to Tarantino. go, Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> Shot on iPhone 11. Uh, if that scrolled up at the bottom of one of his movies, shot on an iPhone 11. Yeah. Jackie Brown, I like. Jackie Brown's another Is one. Jackie I, Brown, the next one after Pulp Fiction? Uh, yes. And also the next, other, only other up. one that I have not seen. So enjoy, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Please discuss. I, I like that it was kind of his love letter to Pam Greer and black exploitation. Mm-hmm. I thought she was great in it. Like, it's mm-hmm. again, like, pulls together a great cast and, and it's all very good. But at, at the end of it, as a as an, a total movie, I just like. I, it's. I, I've have you seen it lately? It. No. It's it's better now. Really? Yeah. It it's um. I don't know. I think that as TV has become more cinematic, mm-hmm. there's more of a context for this kind of meander okay. and an occasional crime. Like I don't know. And also, I watched it, and I didn't have much of a connection to the black exploitation genre. Yeah. You know. 
Like me, there's stuff going either. on in it that was like, yeah, my, I guess the, the thing that stands out for me in it, which is, a, you know, just a completely subjective movie viewing experience is I watched it with my housemates in college and among them, uh, Jeff and Caroline who had the relationship that Robert De Niro and Bridget Fonda had in the movie. Like she was, uh, she would taunt him and make fun of him, you know, out of affection and he was gruff and, uh, uh, and at the peak of them doing that in the movie, it was a moment that passed between us in the audience going, that's you guys. And then being like, that is totally us guys. And we were all enjoying it. And then De Niro kills her. Yeah. And, and there was just a moment for us to absorb that and go, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not. <laughs> there are differences too. And they were really nice to each other the whole rest of the day. Uh, I want to go back to something conventionally said, nice. Sure. Uh, about I want. To, can you dive more into the idea of why cinematic television makes the meandering of this movie um, more just the, palatable? The, 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 yeah, the, I think we're more used to kind of the pace of the storytelling of it. Okay. You know, like it. It was. I think it opens with a long shot of Pam Greer on a like a moving sidewalk in an yes. airport f- for like the length of a song with nothing happening. And in the mid to late nineties, that wasn't the way that things looked or felt. Mm-hmm. And so like already the movie is saying, this is the tone of it. Right. And if you're someone who is watching all the rest of the stuff, if you're watching the Matthew Broderick Godzilla or Starship Troopers or something oh. <laughs> going into this and going like, well, speed it up, movie. <laughs> I get it. She's going through an airport. Oh, this is so much worse than the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. <laughs> right? I don't, I get to be engaged with this movie going, is Godzilla this tall? Yeah. Is he that tall? Thanks, interactive experience. Why does he look like a velociraptor now? Oh, look, he had babies. They're velociraptors. <laughs> They Did match- they just step on Hank Azaria? No, he's between the toes. Oh, good. <laughs> Look, those guys are on my movie cup. <laughs> I had a stack of Godzilla cups. Did you have the straw? The in, big, in my apartment. Twirly. No, I didn't have the Godzilla head. I did have a rubber Godzilla puppet where you click the thing inside his head and he did the roar. Do the roar, Hal. Roar! Thank you, Hal. Thanks. <laughs> Everybody hire him for your Godzilla parties. Yeah, that's, oh that's my just your Matthew Broderick Godzilla parties. Yeah, <laughs> none of your King of the Monsters parties, unless yeah. Hal, do you have a King of the Monsters Godzilla? Not oh, very was good. he sad in I'm that movie? I'm working on it. I'm okay. not ready yet. King of the you Monsters is it's not, great. It's not I out yet. It's not out yet. Is not, it no, out? no, no, not King of the Monsters. What was it? Yeah, King of the Monsters was the mm, what was the new one? Maybe that it is out. And Count Kong versus Godzilla is not out. Yeah, that's not King out. of the Monsters is out. Kong versus Godzilla is not out. Well, maybe get Hal for your Kong versus Godzilla when he's worked that out. Coming soon. Coming summer 2021. <laughs> Keep at him, people. <laughs> Text him. Anyway, until that movie comes out, we're going to number watch- is 800. <laughs> 315. 5616. <laughs> Unemployment and Hal. Oh, my God. <laughs> Neither of them are doing very well. Yeah. <laughs> so they're sharing a number. And who's unemployment going to call when they're doing poorly? <laughs> I'm sleeping under all their desks, one at a time. Unemployment hitting up Craigslist for gigs. Task Rabbit really hurt us. Tarantino. <laughs> uh. So Pam Greer is on a uh-huh. conveyor belt. Yeah. 
and the they're conveyor just belt make, being yeah. built. Yeah, um, she's being at the at the person factory yeah. with uh, by like Mickey Mouse gloves on spring arms. Yeah, that's, that's how right. things are made in factories. Right? I mean, it's again that's like a that's an example of him throwing it back. I think the, isn't the opening of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner the uh, the main song that is in that movie the which I cannot remember. It's not Que Sera Sera. Whatever no, that's it is. from the man who knew too much. That is from the man who knew too much. Uh, of, so of, don't write in. It's Captain telling Ross how what movie? Claudia, like Sarah, arri- Sarah. they arrive at the airport and they get their bags and they get in a car and then they ride uh, to like the home. It's a very long sequence set to the song because they needed all the credits. Yeah. They put all the credits up front. I gotta say, I love a movie that has just like one big long establishing establishing the where opening like that especially historically because i think it's a lot of fun to look at movies through the years because those scenes are always just a slice of life so you get to see what like a mo- i mean i guess jackie brown was it was it a period piece or was it set no, it's in set, the moment that, that it was, it was set modern day. nice okay like so you know in 50 years someone's gonna be like oh that's what an airport in the 90s looked like or like when i watch miracle on 34th street now or breakfast at tiffany's the whole opening is like hey this is what Midtown New York looked like yeah. in either the, you know, 1950s or the 1960s. Uh, like, I just love that. Like, that sort of establishing stuff to me is great. The opening of the Odd Couple film. Yeah. Like, I love that stuff. That's what Odd Couples looked like in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. We finally know. That's what a sloppy guy and a neat guy <laughs> looked like back in Neil Simon days. I don't know why I just like <laughs> the adjective to describe an entire person. Sloppy. <laughs> it's just a funny that word. Spilled over milkshake of a dude. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> All right. Um, more on Jackie Brown. I again did not see it. it so it, it's better now. It's. I, I will uh, check it out again. I still. I wouldn't put it up as the best though. No. No. No, me either. Let's move. Is that what we're doing here? Yeah, we're going to pick the Yeah, we're one. choosing what is, we're, we're not choosing, we are letting reveal what is the greatest, uh, undeniable, yeah. uh, objectively, uh, the best Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, Tarantino, Tarantino movie. Yeah, he steps away from movies for a while. I think he did ER during this time, but six years later, he no, he, and with, he did an episode of CSI. He did an episode of CSI, that's right. Nick was buried. Don't, time was running out. No spoilers. Sorry, CSI heads. <laughs> We haven't seen that episode. <laughs> Saving it. Uh, next movie was 2003's Kill Bill Part 1, followed by, I think, a year later by Kill Bill Part 2. Mm-hmm. I like Part 1 better than Part 2. I like Part 1 better than Part 1, too, as well. You like Part you 1 better again? than Part like 1 it. and 2 oh, as well? I also like the better, Ben. Just say it again, because you said it sloppy. Like a milkshake. I also like you're, like a, you're like a spilled over milkshake. <laughs> ben, I also enjoyed Part 1. Better than part two. That was an edit point. Wow, was Oscar Ed- Madison Ed- in the room all of a sudden? Yes. Well, that's a sloppy guy. I put a coaster oh, I under my Felix, words. Oh, Felix Unger is the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the neat guy. What? He's, He's the, the neat, neat guy. guy. He leaves a little notes that say F.U. Oh, that's right. It took him half a day to figure out that F.U. stood for Felix Unger. See? Oh, all right, all right. Classic. That's what I think of your spaghetti. <laughs> it's not the line. <laughs> But uh, now, it's let's talk about, now it's garbage. Yeah. So do, do you want to look at Kill Bill as, I mean, I guess we have to look at it as two separate movies. Yes. Part one feels more to me like, like th- this feels less like uh, Tarantino being, this is what a Tarantino movie is, and more, this is what I, Tarantino, love. Yeah, that's right. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
that it feels like this is it's such an homage movie. It's almost he decided to make a genre picture. Yeah. In a very yeah, different it's, stylized it's kung thing. Fu movie. Yeah. He yeah. loves kung fu movies. Mm-hmm. He loves exploitation films. This is his kung fu movie. It features a strong female character and plenty of bare women's feet. Yeah. And this is uh, the one where he, he hurt. Like she, she got really hurt. Yeah. Right? He made it. He, uh, or was it the apparently one? like coerced her into a car. Uh, uh, one of these two films. Mm-hmm. He, which they shot at once. I'm sure. Yes. This I is why see, I'm, I'm, I'm getting blurry about which one. The one with the action in it is part one. Is part one. Yeah. And then the one that was a lot of. The one where she just talks to a Carradine for an Uh hour is part two. And gets, and she gets buried alive like Nick in that CSI episode. Yeah, that's the end of the first one is her buried alive, isn't uh, it? All right. With the like, with one. the like, she punches, she, she the, punches the her the way out. She, yeah, punch, she learned yeah. how to punch a, a coffin. Which is, I mean, that's a Useful brutal if you're attacked by coffins. Yeah. It's yeah. good training. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, when Night of the Coffins happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when hell's uh, full of coffins. <laughs> coffins walk the earth. <laughs> yeah, I love, I, I really liked it. I thought they were both Great. I liked looking at them. I'd like to think of them as one thing in my brain, I guess. But which one has that huge kung fu fight two. with the that's oh, part, is that one? That's oh, that, in that one. is one. There's, there's hardly any fighting in two. That's right. One ends with her. She fights in a trailer and pulls out uh, Daryl Hannah's eye yes. in two. That's right. And she kills Mr. Blonde Michael with Madsen. the snake. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And then and she does talks the to five, Bill. the heart, the five. Yeah, she finger. dials the phone of the heart. Yeah. And then she, uh, and then she <laughs> slices open, uh, what's her name's head in the snow fight. No, that's the end of one. That's the end of one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Lucy see, Lip. this is, yeah, I get so confused because it's again, I think out that's of how one ends. Is she buried in one or two? Colin. Oh, maybe she is buried in one and escapes. I think that I she's think there. By the way, there are listeners right now who have seen this more recently than we have uh-huh. pulling their hair out going, well, send us in your hair. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> best hair wins a prize. Mm hmm. Um, and we'll announce your name and your Twitter handle on a future episode. Hashtag hairpole2020. Mm-hmm. Send that in. And, uh, we look forward to your entries. Yeah. Please don't send us envelopes of Thank your you hair. always for your feedback. Mm-hmm. At Mark Gags on Twitter. No, <laughs> no, do not, do not. Send your hair. Do not DM, DM your hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slide into his DM with a bag of hair. <laughs> yeah, we don't need the actual hair. Just take a picture of the envelope full of hair. Mm-hmm. We believe you. But address it to Mark. Right. If we well, see then, the look, same bag twice, the, the first one is correct. <laughs> if the sword fight in the snow and the giant uh, kung fu scene, if you're gonna make, if you're the, gonna make, all kung the flashbacks fu, were in the second one, right? Yeah. To the to the like sword the, maker. Let you know, or no, not the the sword maker was the first one. That was the first one. Teaching the the martial arts was the second one. Yeah, and that's where she was second, buried. I think the second one was a lot more about her child, who it turns out is alive. Yeah, but it was. Yeah, I think I think that's that. But it was a about the focus of the second. The fact that we can't remember having mm-hmm. seen all these films, witches and witch, is just about how we've done other things. It means we have terrible memories. Know, we've, yeah, we've yeah, we've and also it means movies. Quentin Tarantino bounces around in time so much, like. Doing a part one and part two of an already non-linear storytelling style gets confusing. But I like for those of us who haven't seen it in a decade, yeah. but decided to talk yeah. about it to you. On exactly, the she does escape from the coffin in the first film. I'm ninety. Right. Look, the point is, Colin. the first one I think is the superior one because if you're going to make your kung fu movie, put the kung one fu with in. I'll put some kung fu in it. Yes, and that's the one with the amazing giant uh, kung fu fight and the elegant groovy sword battle in the snow at the end, and the cool Bruce Lee costume and the yeah. cartoon sequence and yeah. yeah, that cartoon sequence is great. Like kill. Volume one is 
the vastly superior. If this were an episode of your podcast about whether Kill Bill or Kill Bill Volume 2 were a better Kill Bill film, yeah. I think we'd all end on Kill Bill Volume yeah. 1. Great. So that's two of the ten that we just knocked out right there. Look that's that. it. Done. Is okay. Glorious Bastards next? Uh, no. Next is uh, one that probably would not normally be counted, but I want to talk about Death Proof. Okay. Because I love Death I, I like Death House Total. Planet Terror is fine. The Interstitials are great. great. I love that. Which did not come on the come out on the DVD. They didn't? No. Like the Eli not the Roth initial DVD the... release didn't have it. Like Grindhouse is a complete – I think – I believe it is a complete viewing experience, mm-hmm. which kind of makes it not a Tarantino film, although he directs his own set. So you're not doing four rooms in this? No, no four rooms. But you are doing Grindhouse. Yes, because that's half the movie as opposed to a quarter of it. Interesting. Yeah. Because I, I, Death Proof has come out – has been released on its own as well. Oh, it has? Yes. Because how long is Death Proof? It's, it is oh, it's feature two minutes long. long. Is it feature length? Is it like an hour? I think 15, it's, hour I think oh, it's no, like it's an, long. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be a little over an hour. Maybe 70 minutes. Oh, just his, just his, his side, yeah, I'm not talking about uh, Grindhouse total. I think, but I, I like, I like Death Proof a lot. It, the plot is great. Nothing. Intricate. I'll tell you what I remember about it is that there was a great version of Stagger Lee mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they play in the thing. Yeah. The, I mean, look, the, that's all. It's super stylish. It's, but like the whole the whole ending of the movie, it's just the whole plot of that movie is just Kurt Russell is a bad dude, stuntman Mike, stuntman Mike, who does a bad thing at the beginning of the movie, and then at the end of the movie, he is thwarted in doing it and gets his ass whooped. Well, he's like he that's a, he's a serial killer who is a stuntman and yeah. he kills people by getting into car accidents, mm-hmm. which kill them, but he survives because of his. Death proof car. Then he encounters three, I think three women who are also stunt women and they, uh, they kick his ass. And that scene is amazing. The, the daytime, the daytime. So there's like, there's the nighttime murder and the daytime attempted murder. So as you describe it, I yes. think this is the thing for, for me about Tarantino and a handful of other filmmakers is that I would love to see a TV show that they do, like anthology or whatever style mm-hmm. TV show. Like right. this, what you described is great. Yeah. Like 42 minutes. Right? Like, right. Yeah. there's not intricate character work. Uh, and the fact that, like, cinema still has this the inherent value, like, because it's bajillions of dollars mm-hmm. invested in this thing, uh, the decisions have to be so measured as to be less disposable and less, like, from your gut, you know? Like, right. if, if I were to watch that episode with the, uh, of a television show with the, the, demands of a like we got to do this and it's going to be great and yeah. we're going to move we on a hundred thousand dollars we've got this strip of well no i wouldn't watch a- that i would watch like a, a premium television show oh. <laughs> no, not one of those no offense um hey <laughs> <laughs> cut that part out <laughs> cut that part Again, out i can't tell if you're mark. just saying hey cut it out 1-800 <laughs> Anyway, the point is that, like, because it's so precious and because it's like, oh, I need to do this in an immersive mm-hmm. medium as opposed to, like, right. it's it goes from, that was really fun to, like, but let's think about it and talk about it 10 years later. And it, I don't think it holds up to the scrutiny of right. cinema. Right. And, and if it was just a thing that was like, we made this awesome thing, here yeah. you go. You know, Do you th- I, and I and I and then maybe that's me. No, I, I I completely agree. I always think about that with like specifically with like a Pixar movie, mm-hmm. um, because 
because like you know that every moment of that has been so meticulously thought out because it takes two weeks to render someone giving one look so you want mm-hmm. that look to be exactly right and it feels it feels like that sort of thing like it death proof does feel like it was like hey we're just making this we're making a grindhouse movie yeah. but yeah it's gonna cost this and be projected there like i don't know i mean i guess the aesthetic of it was trying to be counter to that right um mm-hmm. but uh, how successful can it be when it's the biggest director in the world you know, doing whatever he wants. Like, there's no actual, con- that's what it is. There's no actual constraints. So, this is the limit of my imagination. And it's okay. this. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I, it, Arguably interesting. If, if it were, <laughs> <laughs> if it were a TV episode in an anthology, I do think, because the way you're Well, the strengths about it of is- the TV episode is like, you don't, you don't expect character yes. depth, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can live as Stuntman Mike. You don't need to know more, right? And I, I mean, like, and aesthetically, yeah, it's Grindhouse, so that's theoretically fine. Yeah, it's supposed to be but it's thin. Not. Like, it out of the two, to me, his felt more the Rodriguez half felt like a Rodriguez movie that he then like sort of retconned into. But he's kind of coming from Grindhouse for You're real. Right. He yeah. already is. I a mean, Grindhouse El Mariachi costs seven grand to make. His his to me felt more. Like, uh, and this is like putting in the weird, like, jumps in the film and like cigarette burns and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Felt like he was putting it on. Whereas Tarantino was like, if I were making a, if I were going to make a grindhouse movie, this is what it would be. Right down to, to, it's very clear that the, in my mind, the person who made this didn't have a full ending. So just in the middle of them beating the crap out of him, I'm going to freeze it. And then that's the end title, yeah. which I thought was like, that's, that's the thing that, stands out to me the most from that is the ending because it's so quick and then you go yes of course this is exactly you're you're giving me a, your version of that experience now that's not for everybody right mm-hmm. if i was 14 yeah you know you would love it i would love it right. it would be up there with evil dead mm-hmm. you know it's that kind of like i don't know what the world is this is new and great and i don't know it's that and that's why i say like all of this is through the lens of i my tastes are different. I'm less interested. In, I like. I don't know if I sat through all of Death Proof. You know, mm-hmm. right? But there are things you saw at a younger at a younger age or a different era of your taste. Mm-hmm. Are there or are there things maybe better just to ask as a question? Are there things you saw at, at when your taste was different that have stayed with you that you still enjoy even though you've evolved? Oh, sure. As a person, sure. But they like but they got in there. One. Like I, you know, yeah. This definitely wasn't one. But sure. like. You know, I'll always have time for the original Ghostbusters. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't tell you if it was good or bad. Right. Like, it was good. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but it's just part, it's just an extension of yeah. your life at this right. point. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. This is not, I don't carry this movie as closely for me, but the, it hit me strongly enough when I saw mm-hmm. it that I felt like everything, every choice I wanted him to make watching it, it felt like he made so for me going through the the maze or the path of that movie i i really enjoyed every step of it mm-hmm. so it stays with me as something i really enjoy i don't think it's his best movie right. but i do think it's it's really good i just wanted to sort of talk yeah. about it and kind of talk it out with you guys well and where it falls in the timeline makes sense of tarantino movies because it feels like tell me if you guys uh would agree with this it seems like the if we're looking, if I'm stepping way back and objectively trying to look at just the arc of Tarantino's movies, it seems like it began with 
establishing what Tarantino's style was right. with Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, then his version of certain genre movies, uh, be it uh, black exploitation genre, kung fu genre, and well, I think Pulp Fiction is like the pinnacle of that genre thing, right? Or the the pinnacle of his whatever you said, his creating Dogs. his Tarantino mm-hmm. style, yeah, and then and then it becomes. With always with the elements of who he is, then his revisionist history phase, yeah, which and then when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out, it feels like that is going back to the beginning of this is Tarantino style, also with a little bit of that revisionist history element. Well, bef- before we jump into, we have three more movies of his, right, to to go through. But yeah, Mark, I, no, I'm just saying, does yeah. that? Yeah, I'm not trying no, to no, jump no, into. Mark, you're 100. Does right. that feel? Does yeah. that feel? How like, and I are really mad at yeah. you? Why are you guys? Ma- well, stop yelling! You know what? You go to commercial. Fine, we'll take a break. You guys like butts? <laughs> it's a commercial for butts. <laughs> Send an envelope full of hair to at Mark Gags. Please and, don't. And then PayPal him $99. <laughs> look around you. You've got a butt. <laughs> Literally look around you yeah. and you will see it. No, I get my joke. Yeah. We'll be right back. <sighs> wait, that was us being right back. Oh, wait, we're back. What? We're back. Cut that out. Edit. Again, I don't know what you mean. I don't know whether you, you do mean know what I mean. No, I don't. Stop being obtuse. I'm not being obtuse. Quit it. Mark. Mark. Guys, what's happening? You're disappointing Ben. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are real butts. So, so Tarantino. <laughs> Send in 99.99 for real butts from us guys. We'll be right back. Hey, J. Keith. Hey, Helen. I hear you have a true-false quiz you want me to finish. I do. Here we begin. We host a trivia game show podcast on the Max Fun Network called Go Fact Yourself. True. Correct. The show is all about celebrity guests answering trivia questions about things J. Keith enjoys. False. We sometimes don't talk about baseball or cats. Thank God. It's questions about things they enjoy. Next, we bring on surprise experts every episode. True. Correct. Final question. It's just the two of us sitting alone with these guests. False. Correct. We have a live audience at the Angel City Brewery. See? You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month, and if you don't listen, you can go fact yourself. True. Hi, I'm Janet Varney, and like many of you, brand new sentient robots excluded, I used to be a teenager. In fact, just about all of my friends were, too, including folks like comedian Danielle Radford. And of course, all of us, you, you take on that theater accent, and our teacher would say, no, that isn't how people talk. Right. Don't do the super theater kid accent. It's the worst. But so when I was doing theater in high school, of course, I immediately was talking about being in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> So join me every week on the JV Club podcast where I speak with my favorite women artists, innovators, and humans as we reminisce about the past and how it led us to becoming who we are. Find it every Thursday on Maximum Fun. And we're back. Welcome to the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> Jeez. We started over. I just hit record. Oh, great. Um, so we got three more movies yeah. left. We have, a, uh, yeah. we have the... We have two revisionist, like full-on revisionist histories. Fairy tales. Fairy I call tales. Them, I call them revenge fairy tales. Yeah. Are you the only one that calls them that? Maybe. All right. I don't know until one of you says it. Nope. Revenge Just fairy me. tales. I oh, guess. Oh, yeah. yep. Two of us call it that. That is a majority. We have. Uh, let's start with Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. We may as well. He did. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, this was a mistake. Um, <laughs> stop laughing. Don't stop doing it. Uh, what did you guys think of Inglorious Bastards? I enjoyed this phase of his career. <laughs> it was um, 
it was not the movie I wanted. What movie you did know? you want? I wanted a one where Inglorious Bastards did a bunch of stuff. As opposed like to, to, as opposed to like, uh, the bad guy and the ladies and st- like, I wanted the pulpy action. Like, yeah. we're going to kill, we're going to get Nazi scalps. So like, let's do that. Yeah. Like, I, that, but that, you know, that's what I, that's what I wanted. That's, you can't judge a movie based on what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, as it was, it was great. Like there, I mean, it was that kind of great filmmaking of, you know, the long scenes and tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and little and like Mike Myers being a British person. Yeah. I liked Mike Myers in it. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah, I thought it was no, I like I'll tell you this. I don't know that I liked his performance necessarily. I liked seeing him in it. Yeah. That's yeah. not you? a reason to put him in. Yeah, I liked come on. Like it, you would like seeing him if he you know, if you went to the Jiffy Lube and he was there getting his card done. You'd but it's it, wasn't, like it wasn't a big enough You'd part. It wasn't like a big seeing, enough part to make a difference. It was a big enough part that someone else should have it. Like a British person. Uh I don't Representation know. matters. <laughs> Representation. Cut this all out. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just don't care about Mike Myers, and I yeah. do not care about his. Like we've seen him be fake British enough. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was. I just liked it. I thought it was an interesting, fun. Of course. Quentin Tarantino would just put Mike Myers in no, a role. No, why do like you this, say that? Like, because course, he does, why would he? Because he does, like, he, he does things to be contrary, it seems, quite often. He, he casts, he, like, I want to do like, like, I want to do this. Somebody told me that, uh, everybody's mad at Mike Myers right now, so screw you guys. I'm going to put Mike Myers in a movie. Like, were we mad at him? We're not mad at him, but like, I think he'd just done the love guru and like, okay. it was just like, not mad at him, but everybody was kind of like, ugh. No one was a fan. Everybody was just kind of done with him for a while. So I, I think that's, it, I'm not saying it was my favorite thing about the movie, but it didn't bother me. It was me. your number two. It was my number two. I'll tell you what my favorite thing about that movie is, is little moments. Uh, first, well, no, my number one favorite thing about that movie was that I did not know how, uh, fairy tale and revisionist it was. Until the, uh, I assume everybody's seen these spoilers, whatever. Until the very end when I'm like, oh, oh, they killed Hitler. Yeah. Oh, okay. They, they succeeded. Like that to me. And that made you sad, right? That made me, that made me very sad. Cut this out. Um, do cut this out. Yeah. <laughs> but that, like, that to me, I thought was the coolest thing about that movie was that I was not expecting, nobody had hit me to the fact that it was, a revenge fairy tale that I thought it was as Hal would say. as Hal would say. I thought We're that as, as most war movies that I had seen, like what happened in the war is a given. Right. You know what I mean? This is this is a given thing. This is what happened in the war. So we're even if we're telling a fictional story, we still have to live inside what happened in World War II. But what this movie did was, I, by the end, I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. But my other favorite moment is a thing Quentin Tarantino does that I love, where you go, oh, no. Like, you just get hit with something in the middle of a scene. And in this one, it was the holding up the number three. Do you remember that? No. Uh, Do you? When he orders three beers, he wants to oh, order three yeah, beers, yeah, yeah. and he holds up American Hand. Uh-huh. Versus, and it's a scene where you don't expect... A giant bloodbath. I mean, I guess you should because it's a Tarantino movie. Right. But I wasn't. That was ex- the tension of that. That was what I think they did well. Was the tension. Was the tension t- of yes. moments. I mean, it was like all. That. It was all se- like from the jump. Every scene. It was long, long scenes full of tension that could jump off at any point for any reason. Yeah. yeah. Like it was. It was technically, you know, like in in it, like as far as like a series of one acts essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it was really skilled directing actors mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was you know? act, it was actors getting a chance to do a lot of 
very cool things. But like, yeah, but like technically. Yeah. Like technical stuff. Like, yeah. oh, like, oh, like some, some pinter pauses yeah. and under, you know, like and, theatricality. And as I like say, that. like the tension is of genre. So mm-hmm. like it's, these scenes are mundane. I like milk kind mm-hmm. of scenes where death is at stake. Like it's yeah. the, yes. the biggest stakes over the, like it's, Technically very interesting. That opening scene. Mm-hmm. First of all, Christoph Waltz, like. He's pretty good. The, oh, the, that the two scene. Two of them together are, are so. Yeah, Christoph Waltz so and well that guy whose name we don't know. That, <laughs> that, that opening scene is, yeah. is terrifying. Everything from them, from them starting in French to the motivation to switch to English. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that the plays reveals out, and such a great way to establish that character. Mm-hmm. That sequence alone, like if you were to, if we were talking about best Tarantino scene, that that would be a top three, yeah. maybe number one. Mm-hmm. And, and Christoph Waltz is maybe exceeded only by a couple perfect. of scenes with him in Django Unchained. It, it, mm-hmm. Like just a great way of building tension to something terrible is going to happen, and like you said, takes you through that wave where not only might it jump off, but it's possible it could resolve and he could go away. Mm-hmm. And this is not where where the violence is going to begin. But we, that's, yeah, it, he ne- obviously needs to kill. That family to, to. to set to it set the, it's to. our it's our inciting Jeez, event for how? the for the uh, rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. But also there's there's an element of the revenge that everybody enjoyed. Like yeah, we want to see a bunch of Nazis killed. Wouldn't it have been great if something like this had happened? What would you call something Hitler? like that? What oh, I call it like a revenge fairy tale. You, how do you mean? A lot oh, of people cool. are saying that. I heard you use it earlier. Yeah, I forgot what I heard it, it once too. Yeah, yeah. said so what. Revenge fairy tale. Yeah. I would never. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I don't get the fairy tale part. Uh, edit and drop that in here. <laughs> oh, how it begins with Once Upon a Time in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, I mean, that tracks. That's what, that's that's what makes a fairy, fairy tale. tale. All you have to, yeah. any story becomes a fairy tale if you begin it with Once Upon a Time. And yeah. end it with, and they all live happily ever after? Yeah. All right. I guess it is a revenge fairy tale. There you go. You really uh, made a compelling argument. Diane Kruger. Atticus Finch. Mother <laughs> <laughs> Easy on the swearing. We have kids listening yeah. oh. to our Tarantino episode. <laughs> a thing that I love about this movie, just for me personally, yeah. is Diane Kruger because oh, she's great. She's amazing. Who is she? In she's, it? uh, she's the lead woman in it. No, I think you're mistaken. Oh my God. <laughs> and also she is from my indulgent favorite series of movies. She's the woman in the National Treasure movies. That's right. So Third when I'm coming soon. What? Third- Third National Treasure movie coming soon. You like those movies, unironically? Unironically, I like those movies. Oh, Mark. Dude, I auditioned for Blood and Treasure by doing monologues from National Treasure. (laughs) Which is which? National Treasure, the... Okay. Yeah, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Uh I'm going to kidnap the President of the United States. Uh Cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) Double it. Yeah. Reverse it. Put um, it back in. <laughs> but I think she's just, I think Diane Kruger's just great in this movie. And that scene, again, going with the tension, that scene where it's just her in the office. I don't remember if it was Hitler or it was some like Goebbels or, or one of the, one of the other like high level Nazis uh-huh. that she's, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't Hitler. It was some high level Nazi that she's with. But like that scene, I just remember like the palatable, visceral sort of like, tension in that. And that's what's great about this movie. That's not at the meal where the girl who's run away from the farm. No, no, no. Sitting down to have, uh, like a. This is the scene strudel. where they, this is the scene where they kill her. Where right. they kill Diane Kruger at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, ch- he chokes her to death. Yeah, he chokes her to death. Landa yeah. does. Landa, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. From the movie. Landa. Yeah. No, Hitler only shows up to. At the kill. very end at the. Goebbels, I think, is, plays a, uh, a role. He's yeah. there at the dinner. And the shooting like of Hitler everybody... in that movie is, I mean, revenge fairy tale. It's just, oh, we're gonna shoot Hitler. Stop saying no, I'm gonna keep saying it. But. 
But oh, wait till we get to Django Unchained. Yeah. Oh, that vengeance epic. Yeah. Yeah, the revenge fairy tale. No. Yeah. Okay. Once upon a time, a Django was unchained. No, it's uh, that is so it's great. It's great. The killing of Hitler in that movie is we're not just going to shoot him. We are going to stand over him with machine guns. What are your top until Hitler he is deaths? sloppy Joe? What? What are your top Hitler deaths? Top Hitler deaths. Number, Number one, the real one. The real yeah, one. The real one. Yeah. yeah. Numbers one through a bajillion. The real one. The real one. That's not how and this, this works. Bajillion and one. This one. <laughs> oh, and also that uh, that one Donald Duck cartoon, like oh, Band yeah. of Brothers for me. Mm-hmm. Like they don't sh- obviously show that, but them going into his bunker uh, and like divvying up all the the Nazi loot and stuff. Like that Band of Brothers, that's great. I never saw it Band of Brothers. Great. You never saw Band of Brothers? No. I saw actually no. I did see. I saw one episode of it. I saw the where David Schwimmer is fantastic in that. They're also first good. episode. Like everybody, every actor you know is in mm-hmm. it. And like you, that you've met. <laughs> really? Yeah. There are a lot of people from yeah, yeah. the show in it? Cool. Um, yeah, Colin's in it and, uh, Spate. Oh, yeah. right on. Now I gotta go back and watch it. It's, re- I mean, like, it's, it's a thing I'll put on if I get sick, yeah. you know, like, yeah. it's a comfort food. I just remember from those couple of episodes that I watched, Flash and Thunder became a, uh, a catchphrase with a friend of mine. Remember that? That, that was how they always knew who was friendly. Yeah, they were Flash, Thunder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my Guys. It's really good. So the yeah. best Quentin Tarantino movie is Band of Band of Brothers, Brothers. Flash by a mile. Who knew? Uh, should we move on to Django? Yes, let's. Let's talk about Django Unchained. Again. Yeah, we're qualified. Let's, <laughs> yeah. The three of us. This sounds like, this talk sounds about like a Django great idea. Unchained. I don't know if this one will win the episode, but it is, I think, my favorite Tarantino movie. Yeah? Yes. Are you supposed to say that now? Yes. Okay. It's, well, you can say it any He's time, what your now. favorite is. Okay. I don't know I'm if I'm saving mine. I mean, I, I said mine, but I'm saving it. It's my favorite. I love the. True romance isn't on the list. I love the relationship between between Django and Christoph Waltz's character, whose mm-hmm. name I have forgotten. Doctor Dentist. Doctor Dentist. <laughs> um, Herman Teeth. I love Kerry Washington. Yeah. Doctor Teeth. And I think it's different. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is such a good villain. Is he? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I love the performance. His name is John Candy. His name is John Candy. Right? That's right. As I recall. Yeah. The scene where they're at dinner, it has been revealed that well, Samuel L. Jackson figures out what's going on mm-hmm. and tells him. And he does the whole phrenology thing. When he finally has reveals evil plan and is going to force them to pay him but raise the price and like embarrass them. That whole sequence is so good. He's such a good villain. That can't be – it's not comfortable anytime as an actor to have to use language like that. Mm-hmm. At all. It's not comfortable as an audience member to listen to language like that. No. In that movie, that's like the only movie where it feels like, okay, he, he used the, the, uh, the N word a ton, but it also is to, can, it's all, you're being confronted with it rather than like, this is how cool people just talk to each other mm-hmm. out on the street. From but that is, point, like but historically. Does, but does that make it earned? That's a really good question. Thank One that, you. that none of us are right. qualified that to answer. Not, the three of us are not all. our job. Yeah, not for us to decide. Uh, but it is part of deciding, I guess, the best. A, it is a very well-made movie. Mm. It is uncomfortable to watch for a majority of it, which I think is what makes it good mm-hmm. and what makes it something you like. You should be aware of terrible things that have happened and. And Tarantino is the one. To, and Tarantino, yeah. yeah. Who better than a white dude from California yeah. to show it to you? Um, um I, I can answer that. <laughs> Please. A lot of people. Yeah. yeah. But also, um, he, and this is to a lesser extent, that, that also, like, he's not Jewish. 
nor is he German. He made Inglorious Bastards. Like, that is not his story. He mm-hmm. makes a lot of stories that are not his story to tell, right. necessarily. I don't know if it's... And and that's... Does that mean it isn't a story that we should watch and, like, regard in some way, you know? I, I think it gives it an asterisk, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's... If, if everybody's only supposed to tell their stories, then it's it's a limited scope of everything. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a there's ways to tell stories that aren't yours that are respectful to the stories and they involve a lot of listening mm-hmm. and a lot of like a lot of different kinds of work. And there's no way to determine if that work was done. Right. So it's it's a nebulous thing. Do you think that collaboration is a part of that with people whose For story sure. it is to tell? Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, he's making a revenge western. Right. You could mm-hmm. – the argument that right. could be made – He's making popcorn know, movies. Yeah, he's making a popcorn yeah. movie. This is the setting for it. He's used – you know, a lot of the the torture devices that are in the, the candies, that sort of barn where he's taken. Mm-hmm. Like, those are things that were actually used. Yeah. Those are historically accurate. So at least it shows that there was research and care made as far as that. I don't know if it's giving it a ride or is it how we're looking at it. Are we looking at it with the lens of like he's making a historical movie that he shouldn't be making because it's not his history to tell? Or is it he's making a Tarantino movie that mm-hmm. is set here? Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to it. It's just sort of the question. Right. Kind and, of and these th- these questions are, are, more, are as compelling, more compelling, less compelling than yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. Although the the scene that I loved that made me think – there's one scene that reminded me of something that you would write. and I, There's one in there too. You've heard I mean this. like I have, I have felt that way when Which I was watching yeah. this. It's the scene where Don Johnson has gathered a group of men to go like – to go lynch Django and, right. and Dr. Dentist. That's not that's not the me part. No. the The entire scene of like – these who cut the eye holes in these bags? Like I can't see anything out of these eyes. <laughs> right, my like, wife, my cut- wife made yeah. these. Yeah. You try and get all these bags. Like it's again, it's that it's the it's like finding a Tarantino movie uh, mm-hmm. moment, and uh, it it's just like the there it's not about the racist as much as like hey, this is a very weird slice of life moment. What would happen if they all showed up and none of their eyes aligned? Lying. They couldn't see anything. Well, that's I really I felt that too. Yeah, watching it like this is me as hell. Yeah, and I don't know what to do with that feeling. Right, because like it's not like he was like I'm gonna do it like Agar and Blagger would have done it. Yeah, like that's not yeah. the conversation. But there's occasionally movies now where just by by dint of us making things and and the zeitgeist being the zeitgeist that there's stuff that feels like oh, that that's really close. And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. But I also don't think you would write like we wrote a scene of a bunch of people going to uh, going somebody. to lynch a black man because they're super racist. But that right. idea right. of but just that the, we're here, the execution of yes, uh, who cut these? My wife. Well, she's bad at cutting eye holes in clan masks. Yeah. I don't know. And then like you're a bad person for insulting my wife. Mm-hmm. Don't expect these hoods from us anymore. Right. Right. It's yeah. And then, like, it's, I tore it's, mine, the, uh, uh, which is, um, what's his name? Yeah. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Making a brief appearance. Do you think that that but is... What do I do? No. What do I do with this feeling? Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> I was going to talk about the movie's word. No. <laughs> what do I do? I think... Uh, I think Just it uh, give, up, give up writing because no, Tarantino's doing no. what you're doing. Feel good about it. Yeah? Because uh, it is... 
It is a moment. It provides a moment of levity. It works really well as a scene. Oh yeah, no, it's and the best part. Everybody enjoys it. I love it. The, the part that it. sounds like I wrote it was uh-huh, the best part. Oh yeah, obviously, it's the best part. <sighs> is that what I do? With it? And then yeah. keep that to myself. Yeah, that's don't the part you said. This part you don't, don't say. Podcast. Podcast. Sure. Yeah. Uh, keep this in. <laughs> um, but th- that's that Tarantino style of writing in that scene and the way that like even like the building up tension so much and uncomfortability like in that dinner scene and ultimately paying it off at the end when Django burns the whole thing to the ground. Yeah. Do you think that we, we were talking about that not being Tarantino's story to tell, but is that Tarantino using his superpowers? I think we were which saying, are, is it his story? Is it his story? Yeah. Right. I don't think right. we come down. We didn't, no, we no, no. We, down, we didn't necessarily say we're bad people. people. But, right. um, but I think that is him using his to- powers for good. You right. know what I mean? Like using what he is good at. And that in those, those two movies, I think are great examples of that tension building. And then you want so badly for these villains to. There's also an interesting aspect that is like in making a, a confection, a pop culture confection out of this mm-hmm. kind of story. Right. It makes it, it, it potentially succeeds in making, in, in tricking people into empathizing with a character they wouldn't necessarily empathize with. Like mm-hmm. if you're a clan guy, like if you're a guy who would belong in that scene with the clan, right? There's a world where you're watching this movie and empathizing with the protagonist because that's movies, right? And that's expanding your, worldview as a consumer of pop culture expanding mm-hmm. your worldview in a way that you don't get in your you know your day-to-day life and that is arguably the best thing that a movie can do yeah, yeah. but i think it's, i don't know i think there am I, is that am I, is my head on my no about that? i think you i think you brought up a really good conversation around this movie that mm-hmm. i because i'm a straight white dude just hadn't thought about as much and i know the extent to which like Tarantino, like many people before him and after him, appropriate culture from everywhere all the time. And this is maybe like in Might Magazine. Like in Might Magazine. That's why black people call the white people. That was the story in Might Magazine. <laughs> whole, remember, this is a call. Appropriate culture. Yeah. So maybe I get it. I grew. I my family knew Elvis. Don't name drop in the middle of this podcast. I'm just saying. But tell that story. That's the most appropriate. Also, uh, how does your family know Elvis? I never told you this. I told you this story. Wait, that Elvis made my mom the homecoming queen. Like he rigged an election. Yeah, uh, basically. So okay. <laughs> he didn't even go to the okay. school. Quick, quick sidebar. Hold on. Quick Did he go to the school? Break. No. So my grandfather was a police, uh, was a sheriff's deputy in Memphis who uh, one of his tasks was to uh, unlock like the high school football stadium at midnight when Elvis and his friends wanted to go play or go have go like, you know, keep an eye on them when they went and rented out a movie. How theater. old is Elvis at this point? Elvis, this is uh, 65, 65. So like peak, this is, this is peak. This is, like, or is this post this is, this is, well, this is after the late fifties Elvis and like he'd been making movies and was still doing albums and going back and forth to Memphis. Um, and so they, he was basically his guy he was, as a station yeah, at the force exactly. who would help him out. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and my mom was riding in a car with Elvis and her father was driving my grandfather and Colonel Tom. And she said she seized an opportunity that I, this, I love this about my mother. So the way it worked then in, in her school was of all the cheerleaders, whichever one sold the most raffle tickets was the homecoming queen. That's how it worked. And she in the car with Elvis was like, Hey, you know, Elvis, cause they'd met when she was really little. She was like 13 when they met. Uh, Uh-oh. and she was like, Oh, come on. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, you know, Elvis, 
whoever sells the most raffle tickets gets to be homecoming queen. And Elvis said, oh, hell, Suzanne, I'll just buy all of them. And Elvis bought all of the raffle tickets, won the raffle, and my mother was homecoming queen. What did he get in the raffle? Uh, I think a bike. Oh, yeah. are there pictures of Elvis right there? <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted a bike. Yeah. Yeah. I sure I've never had a bicycle bike. before. Yeah, this is great. Let me put some fins on this one. I put my feet on the pedal. <laughs> I'm going to put peanut butter on it and eat it. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about before we got off on this? Uh, your mom, about, your oh, grandma. We about, no, we were talking about uh, appropriation of culture. Yeah, the extent to which this film appropriates culture and how difficult it is to really look at it and say, is this okay? This just becomes a question that hangs there. Well, because we can certainly ask. But it, it's your but favorite. We certainly can. Ask. I, I, I really enjoyed watching. I love it. appropriating. I can, yeah, I could watch it over and over again. Everything from, I, I mean, the the whole movie, just the way the scene. I think, I think it's very well written. I think it builds tension in a really great way. It's enjoyable to watch him kill all of these dumb when they yanked guys. that woman when he shot her and they just yanked her into that room. Yes, mm-hmm. is that's just really fun. Yeah. Like all that rest of that, like, let's think about it and let's figure it out and let's talk and have a society and respect and everything. But when he shot that lady, that was fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hi, I'm the part of the problem. <laughs> well, let's, let's move on then from, uh, this and let's 12 years of slave. If, <laughs> if we're pivot. talking about, let's pivot. <laughs> if we're yeah. talking about Quentin Tarantino and what stories are his to tell. Oh, wait, by the um, way, I do want to skip- point out. Oh, I know you uh, referenced that, but if you are, uh, if you want to see a movie, that actually, like, if you do want to learn more about about visit your like, local library about how how <laughs> horrific slavery was, watch Twelve Years a Slave, which is directed by Steve McQueen and is a uh, a British person. It's so, so is it his story to not tell? his story to tell. Yeah. It's like really hard to watch, but really, really yeah. good, and a and a good education and things that you probably learned in school. But this is something that will make it stick. You don't get a visceral in the same way feeling. That, of... In the same way that Glory uh, makes it stick, like to actually see. See them try to accurately portray what that experience. Or have is like. empathy. Just have empathy. Yeah. Well, also no, just JK, be, be a good person as well. Don't have empathy. Um, more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> Cut this. All right. Out. Moving on. Yeah. Um, Gagadun, to a story that I think is Quentin Tarantino's to tell because yeah. it's about straight white dudes in Hollywood. We're yeah. skipping Hateful Eight because we already said that it is no good. It's not the winner. And that is the most recent one. Are we, we are up to this one now. That's this right. is, okay. I didn't, there aren't any of that. The 10th film from the ninth. Tarantino. Well, death. It's the, the, the ninth Stop film saying, from Quentin Tarantino. Well, look, if we, we went into this saying that that was what we were going to cover, yeah. we were going to cover the ones that Quentin Tarantino All refers right, to fine. as his, his canon ninth of film. movie. I forgot that that's so, the ninth of So this is the ninth movie right. and it is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And this is for me personally, this is contending at one or two with Pulp Fiction. For you guys know Mark Wahlberg's story of nine eleven. <sighs> what? Mark Wahlberg has said, "If I were on that plane, I would have stopped those guys." No, right. So you think this is that? This is that. This if is the, the people that I made oh. up had been next door to those people, okay, I see. What then Sharon Tate would have lived. Sharon Tate would still be alive today. Controversial yeah. take. That's I, yeah. Look, I get it. Like, Isn't that what a lot of these movies are? If this yes, guy, but this one, this one made me Hitler think Hitler would have been dead. Yeah, like, if Eli Roth and the Inglorious Bastards had been around, mm-hmm. then Hitler would have. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole point of this ride that he's. I know, on. but this one specifically made me think of that. Like, yeah. thought the yeah. the Mark Wahlberg thought experiment. <laughs> like, all it takes is one, just little detail of people I made up. Yeah, 
By the way, that's going to be an improv group name at some point, I'm sure. The Mark Wahlberg Thought Experiment. So you, I, I'd go see that show at UCB. Mm-hmm. I saw this in the theater. Mm-hmm. You just watched it yesterday. I did just watch it. So it is fresh in my mind, and I absolutely loved it. And this is me not having yet seen it, which I will, having seen it in a theater on a big screen. Right. This was on an iPad, and it's still one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Now – Granted, I have lived in Los Angeles for 20 years, uh, except for a little time in New York. Counts. So there are, there are elements of this movie that I personally just love. The scene where all the neon is clicking on at sunset and all the different places that I go, Oh, I know that place. Oh, I love that bar. I, the, I, oh, El Coyote or like streets. You don't love El Coyote. No, but like the things but that I recognize. Yeah. yeah. And like salsa is good. I actually had the thought. I once got a burrito there. There was a boiled chicken with a slice of American cheese they, that's the, wrapped yeah. in a flour tortilla. El Coyote uses American cheese, which is insane to me yeah. for a Mexican the restaurant. It's not very no, good. No, no, the warm salsa is very good. Yeah. Just get chips and salsa and then leave. And is there cilantro in that salsa? Nope. Great. No, I hate cilantro. You and I are in the same uh, train. All right. We punched I love that cilantro. train. We punched that cilantro. You train. know what? Let's go. Guy. We'll get it. And I will order some cilantro on the side. You won't have to have it. I will put it in my salsa and I will love there it every, every second of no, it. No, we're not going to that's El Coyote. A, that's a different fall. episode. Is cilantro good or bad? It's bad. That's an answer. All right. Go ahead. But yeah, no, that's just what I love about this movie. Aside from the fact that I think it is masterful storytelling done in, uh, and it does all of those elements really well. You are, you're, <laughs> Ben Agar is just smushing the mic onto his face. <laughs> I don't know if it is out of frustration at what I am saying or sheer boredom. Or just to see or how it just feels. just to see what it feels like to smush a microphone on your face. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if everybody heard just stubble rustle. Yeah. Whatever I said might have just gone by the wayside. What's it like? Been hearing. doing a live edit. <laughs> Shut up, Mark. <laughs> you know these are isolated tracks, right? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Uh, oh boost God. that to 150. <laughs> uh <laughs> I just look over and Acker is just yeah. smushing a mic on his face. I don't know what that is. It tickled me. <laughs> just so disregard what you were saying. Oh. It's like, what else can I be doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh. I never felt this. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, it's LA. Take this abuse from it's you too. Because I love it. I, what am I doing? Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, but I, I loved Cut this it movie. Out. What did you hate this movie? No, it's fine. <laughs> All that, and that's what I get. No, it's fine. <laughs> what did you like about it? I don't remember. <laughs> you just saw it too. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because it's Mark. Please double the laughter. So it sounds like there's a room full of Ben's laughing at Mark. At at my love of Los Angeles. I also enjoyed it. I like your I like that period of time. Yeah, it's a it's it was great. great. I loved it. I loved every time. This is the moment we lost uh, Acker forever. I, one thing, He's just giggling in the corner now. One thing that I thought was neat about it. This is, I like, we're just going to keep going while he We're just going to keep going while Ben turns bright red. We got a laughing. podcast to do, buddy. You have fun. 
<laughs> Do you want to lay down? We're in a hotel room. Ken, I hope you can find a way to edit this together. <laughs> that holds I don't know some if I've this. ever seen you laugh. This I've hard never in seen my life. Laugh this hard. <laughs> you get so mad. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> <sighs> Every inch of it kills me. Laugh it up, Fuzzball. I'm working on it. I know. Oh, Mark. <laughs> Are we ready to go? Sure. Back to one. <laughs> Cut this out. Serious. No, but save it. Like, don't put it in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> for something else. Just save it for Ben has a who knows insane what we'll giggle fit. I don't know. God. Yeah, I don't know what Ken's going to keep in. We don't know. Uh, Held the mic to my mouth. All right. So moving on to our last movie, let's talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know what I like? It's that it's the L.A. stuff. No, sorry. I'm just <laughs> I'm just going back to one. Uh, one cool one cool thing. First of all, I love the soundtrack again. Mm-hmm. But he, he's really good at putting soundtracks. He had, he had uh, Enico Morcone do the Ennio. do the music for. Is it Ennio? Yeah, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, I think I said Ennio, didn't I? Ennico. Ennico. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, Morcone did the. Look, not, not important. Can cut this out. music for Django Unchained, which is really cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. But the soundtrack for this, obviously, is all. Not only are they all songs that were hits at the time, there were songs that were hits at the time in L.A. specifically. Mm-hmm. And he found like people who had recorded their radio. So those moments that where they're listening when they turn on the radio and you hear like ads and and the talk those are real. Stuff, those are people who recorded their radios in 1969 that he went and used. It's like part of the color and part that kind of helps you transition into different moments in the movie. The detail is stunning in that movie. Do you guys listen to Dana's podcast? No, no. On the Danny Gould Hour, he has this woman whose name escapes me, and I feel bad about not retaining names as well as I did in my youth. But she was she's the daughter of the guy who played Johnny Fontaine in The Godfather. Okay, mm-hmm. and she's like a real. She grew up in Los Angeles and is a real like aficionado. She does a an Instagram account that's about vintage Los Angeles stuff. Love cool. it. And she's just a giant fan of this movie mm-hmm. and all the details. And it's a good episode of Dana's podcast Uh-oh. with her talking about like being around when they were shooting it, yeah. like, seeing the signage that was there. Is the supply sergeant sign still there? I yes. actually had that thought. Yes, it is. In the movie, I was I like, so. oh, the supply sergeant. But I think sign. that store has moved. I think it's on Highland. But the sign's still there. Highland at like Santa Monica. Yes, yeah. that that is still there. No, supply sergeant is on Hollywood. It's, it's on yeah, Hollywood it's Boulevard. Yeah. I'm thinking of a different surplus store that is further south because I used to shop at those places for – Sketch shows. That was like the place where you go. Of course. Like, oh, I'm going to play a soldier. Let me go get actual yeah. stuff there. And it was just down the street from Hollywood Toys and Costumes where you'd go get Everything like, oh, else. I need a. I'm a soldier story. with a mustache. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a soldier, but I yeah. wear John Lennon glasses. Yeah. And a stethoscope. <laughs> I'm playing Wooly Willy <laughs> in this sketch show, so I need all sorts of different configuration. Oh, pardon me, stripper who is shopping for outfits with a guy who is five times larger than any other guy. I need magnetic filings. 
For those, yeah, for those who don't know, Hollywood Toys and Costumes is right next to the Second City on Hollywood Boulevard. Yes. And is where everyone for, even when we were on Melrose doing sketch comedy, yeah. it seemed to be the official go-to store for any ridiculous sketch comedy costumes you need. So everybody's sketch comedy costumes always looked like, uh, slapped together Halloween costumes. Yeah. And uh, it's where my terrible series of headshots, the fireman ones. Oh, they're that's great. That's where I got that outfit. It's pretty great. Hollywood toying costume. Um, now, see, this movie is already just making me nostalgic about interesting Hollywood places. Things. You were at like, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, the story, like, I think the story probably hits home. I know it hits home for me as like an actor to watch mm-hmm. a guy who who has was a star and then walked away to do bigger mm-hmm. things, and that kind of killed his career. And watching the sort of the ups and the downs and his insecurity. About whether he's any good at it, the story yeah. he freaks out at himself in the trailer. It's hilarious and drunk. brilliant. Yeah, uh, and then the scene later on where he ma- and this is good on DiCaprio masterfully acts a scene, yeah. and then masterfully acts enjoying a director enjoying his masterfully acting a scene. It's very, uh, it's 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 beautiful. And I tell you this, yeah. not at the risk of sounding um, cheesy, a moment in the movie that I really that really just touched me for some reason. Just a because I think Margot Robbie's brilliant. She wears her heart on her sleeve in every movie she's in, and she's so good at it. Um, and also the way Sharon Tate is portrayed in this movie as like this ultimate innocent. The scene where she goes to a movie theater and sees the movie that she is in the is playing. Yeah. She gets excited, but sort of like timidly excited. Goes inside. But name drops herself to name, get in yeah, there. Yeah. Name drops herself to get in. And then the scene where she's just sitting in a theater watching an audience uh, or hearing an audience laugh at a bit that she did in the movie and just enjoy that moment. I find that to as you know, for what we do in our jobs, that I found that to be a very touching moment of uh, uh, an actor hearing an audience laugh at a bit she did for the first time. I think that is a beautiful scene. And I think she's maybe great. that's one she's reason. Great I, she's so great yeah. in everything. She's fantastic. Bombshell. She's amazing. Like she's just a great actor. I, Tanya. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. She's so, so good in that. Ama- yeah. That, that whole movie. Wait, that's just hard burst to, on the scene too. It's hard to, when you're going toe to toe with Alice and Janney in that movie. Yeah. And I know they're working together. It's not like they're competing in it, but it's hard to, when you have, uh, an I, actor who is that good mm-hmm. doing it that specific a, a character mm-hmm. and then working with her and and matching her and everybody's making everybody better is Jordan and Pippen to see. have you done that yeah with like him. is yeah I mean everything to only Adventure Hour honestly right but like is there a moment where it's like I mean I guess that's a valid that's every, there's so like much thrilling time, Adventure Hour that we did that it was like oh this person yeah. is bringing their a game. Anytime Which I'm every out there time, yeah. with anybody performing, I always try. Like for me, it's acting school to see them mm-hmm. how good they are and try. Like I just want to hang in there. I want to bring something to the table. Make sure I'm giving them something to work with. And then Venture Brothers too, because you have Chris uh, Jackson Public on the other side of the glass performing with you. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're doing a scene every single time. So mm-hmm. you want to, you know, the level of work that's being done, and you you just you want to be there with it and and do your best. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's no like standout time. It's just like that answered my question. That was that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you always are trying to yeah. work with and make your partner look good, and and not just, especially with thrilling. It's not just with like when huge, huge guest stars sure. come. It's yeah. with the regular cast is yeah. so solid and tight. Like every time Jackson and I are up there doing Sparks and Croach, 
I just want to, I just want to go toe to toe with Jackson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause he's a powerhouse and it's fun to, you know, try to, it's, tr- it's fun to try to keep up. Yeah. And doing stuff with Craig, like every time I'm paired with Craig, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I have to, I like, not I have to bring it because I don't bring it any other time, but no. I really want to make sure. You feel the, yeah, I want to do the thing that you see, uh, Margot, Robbie, and, and Allison Janney. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you yeah. feel that. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Uh, so yeah, the point of all of this being that Margot Robbie is exceptional in everything she does yeah. and in this movie she is great. Yeah. My only note. For her or for the movie? For her. Yes. Yeah. Margot Robbie would be easier to say. <laughs> <laughs> Long O's. Just do Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. I gotta go, oh, is this and then this that. This is the oldest man comment I've yeah, ever had. Sure. Well, I'm vowels. from the South. Diphthongs and triphthongs are just in our blood. <laughs> so we can just, we can fit so many vowels. Your wife does the same thing, Al. Fits so yes. many vowels into a word. It's amazing. I don't know, I don't know how she finds the time. <laughs> but like, Margot, if you're listening to this, <laughs> think about it. Yeah. It's worth considering. Just think about it. Uh, I really like Brad Pitt in this movie. I like Brad Pitt as an actor in general. I know, uh, I feel like he's kind of divisive. Some Is people, he? I think some people. Who feel doesn't like, like kind, Brad Pitt? I think there are people who Jim think he's Franston. kind of flat. Mm-hmm. Or like, they, there, there may be people who think, I, I think when you are a super attractive human being that your skill mm-hmm. doesn't get looked at as much. Like I think you Harrison Ford yeah. has, has turned in really good performances. But he'll never be talked. To. He'll he'll always be a great star, but never a great actor because he's a good looking guy and did a bunch of action movies. Yeah, Brad Pitt well, is with- really good looking, but is he works super hard and mm-hmm. the work is there. This is a great character for him. It's also a subdued character for him. It's yeah. not like he's not like he's just reacting truthfully. That's all he does in this movie is, is react. This the first movie where he doesn't eat anything. Oh, he eats in it. He does eat he in does. it. Yeah. yeah. Does he, he eat mac in every and cheese? Yeah. Well, in the Ocean's Eleven movie, he made that his character. Yeah, thing. that he's, he's always, always eating. eating something in every single scene he's in. It's really funny. Yeah, he's great in those. Anyway, yeah, I mean, this movie's great is, in Seven. Yes, yeah, he is. he's great in Fight Club. And that's the thing; he, yes, he more is. was he's asked of him in Seven and Fight Club than in this. But even in a movie where not much outwardly is being, I like, I guess he's got a trippy scene where he's supposed to be on acid. But that scene but, at the ranch. Was that where he was on acid? Yeah. No, it's no, at, at the ranch. He's at home. It's the it's the night of the uh, oh the, right right the right. Big but he's violent scene. he's yeah. so he do, he never blows his top in this movie, and I think no. that's and everything he does is understated uh, in this movie. I think is great. Like the scene where he's where he goes to the ranch and he just wants to check in on his uh, yeah. That was a great scene. It's yeah. a great scene. Uh, and a thing I love. I read a review of it that. This reviewer pointed out and I thought it was very smart and cool. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I never noticed that. He's like, Quentin Tarantino always does a great job of giving you the unexpected. And so when in the moment it's everybody going, yeah, 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 he's, uh, he's asleep in the bedroom. And, and then the surprise then is that he's asleep. The surprise is, yeah, yeah, literally that's it. You're like, Oh, okay, cool. Thanks, Tarantino. We expecting anything but that. Yeah. It kind of made me go. This is one of those things where I didn't know as much about the circumstances surrounding the Manson family living on that ranch. Mm-hmm. But I went and looked it up. Did to, they actually live on that ranch? To I don't learn know. that Bruce. Oh, no, Bruce. That was that's you that guys. Is actually, we like, have to plug a third podcast. Yeah, yeah. And everybody knows about this one. Please, 
But um, you must remember this. You must remember this. Yeah. Ten, I don't know how many episodes were devoted to the Manson family. I have not listened to but those But it is yet. like epic and it is why this movie was made. Like there, there's Manson in oh, the yeah. culture now because this podcast was so thorough and such captivating storytelling. Like it's already, you know, a, a captivating subject. But the way mm-hmm. yeah. that uh, she told the story just laid it out so clearly and, and found all the angles on it. It's, it's you know, it's. Yeah. If you haven't heard it and you're at all interested in that stuff, like it's, it's the best murder podcast. It's the best history podcast. Like, yeah. It was an interesting thing to be in LA the year that that came out because it was one of the things that everybody at every party was talking about. Like, mm-hmm. and I'd never, like I, I've, I helped make a podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd never been so like, have you guys heard this podcast? Like I've never been privy to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, 100%. it's a great, it's a great one. But yeah, he, that guy actually existed and was there being manipulated by them. And she was called Squeaky Frome because of the noise that the bed springs made. Oh, wow. When she was having sex with him. On the bed from. On the bed from. <laughs> Boo. Uh, uh, that's why she was called that. Don't fool <laughs> me. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Manson element of this. Because in the other movies with the revenge fairy tale yes. uh, ending, if you will, will. Um, you know from the get-go what's going on. Like It is like set up that this is a movie about... Nazis. You see, it's set up that this is a movie about slavery. This is not like even throughout the movie, they never call him Charles Manson. They just say Charlie. You get, you don't until halfway through, you don't find out that. I mean, you, you, you only you, see him once. You clue in very, you know, very early on what's going on, but yeah. it's nothing is overt. It's not overtly about that. So if you're going to say what this movie is about, it's 95% a 70s. Uh, Hollywood hangout movie. Yeah. yeah. And then, f- and then an ending that feels like a different movie that has been dropped in little bits of it throughout. Yeah. It does. I, you know, it, for some reason going to see this and I was expecting it to be super violent. I was kind of waiting for that to happen. And mm-hmm. it, he waited long enough that I sort of been lulled in. I was like, all right, the violence we're going to see mm-hmm. is for sure her getting murdered. Like this doesn't feel like. Inglorious Bastards or Django Unchained, you knew you were going in to see history turned on its ear mm-hmm. and see, like, the bad guys get what's coming to them. And then in this, you don't get that I, – I, for me, watching it, I got so pulled into their relationship and the story of his career and Brad Pitt sort of navigating his life and how that had been changed. The Bruce Lee scene is is also weird and odd and just feels like – Something Tarantino wanted to do when he was a kid. Like, <laughs> yeah. I definitely could have beaten up Bruce Lee, and uh, now I'm going to put it in, in a st- – like, wouldn't it be cool if he, this guy did it instead? Well, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's character-establishing thing right. goes. Mm-hmm. So – It's the best. I mean, like, it's the, it's a strong choice. It's not the best choice, I'm saying. It's a strong choice to go, how do I show that this guy is tough? Well, who's the toughest guy? Yeah. That makes you know? sense. Like, it, it's a real log- – it comes from a real logical storytelling place. That's true. He does a lot of okay. that in this movie, I think. Yeah. Like, the most succinct way to tell you something mm-hmm. he finds. He even well, set it takes us up – three hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but you know what I mean? But it doesn't feel like, as yeah. much like three – like, it moves well. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't care what a runtime is. I care, like, how it feels. Because mm-hmm. an hour and a half can feel like all day. Three hours can feel like 90 minutes. That movie felt like because they do – because they break it up into days and then there's a point where it's six months later. You know, all this yeah. sort of – the way it's broken up, I felt more like uh, – and I don't know if this is a, a positive or a negative. It almost felt like binging a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt a little like I was binging a TV show. 
But a TV show that's, you know, three episodes long. There was, did you see the uh, Hail Caesar? Yes. I did not see Hail Caesar. Oh, that, was, that was maybe the first movie that I was like, I wish this had been a season of television instead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that way about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No. I mean, this is uh, – no. No, I, I I don't need – they they lived with – they hung with those people yeah. for like that – for the Long length enough. of time, yeah. But yeah. You talk about him upsetting expectations. I spent most of the movie, and he does a very good job of making you fall in love with Sharon Tate as a person. Like, yeah. you know, she's sweet, she's talented, she's on the rise, and it makes you, you get like ups, like it's, I can't believe she was cut down in a prime and really for nothing, just almost random for where she lived mm-hmm. more than who she was at all. Mm-hmm. That did not really matter. Could have been anybody of note in that house or just anybody in that house. So you're bracing yourself like, oh, I, oh, I don't no. want to see her go. Yeah. I know at least I have these characters. And then she walks of, out with the pregnant bell and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah that right. detail. She was pregnant. The Oof. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of it all was what I thought I was watching. It's like, mm-hmm. what if these guys live next door? Mm-hmm. But then – then they subverted my expectations. Mm-hmm. And the the way they did it, although it gets super crazy super fast, I, I for s- some reason the whole thing felt like 15 minutes of Chekhov's gun. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they have set up every single one of these things. Mm-hmm. It's logical how we got here. It's absolutely bananas. But everything And then out about comes that it, flamethrower and you're like, everything sense. was set up. Everything, mm-hmm. the dog, like the cigarette to the dog to mm-hmm. – uh, to the flamethrower, to how violent he is, whether or not he killed his wife. Well, it seems like he did. Like, it, it uh, there's logic to all of it, including why they would go to that house instead of the Sharon Tate's house. And calling a car a mechanical asshole is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> to refer to a loud car as that. Yeah. Yeah, I think this, this, it's, it's my, it's, that's, this and Pulp Fiction are my two, contenders i guess part of it for me yeah was that i knew like i because i didn't rush out to see it i was the same way i um, knew the so ending. i knew the ending so right. it felt like a second viewing the first time mm-hmm. so, okay okay so it wasn't so it sounds like the subverted expectation like that because you knew the history mm-hmm. and you didn't have that spoiled yeah that you got to have your expectations subverted which feels like a it would have been a, a more profound viewing experience to go, Oh no, this? Yeah. Oh, this? Yeah. But you got the Super big, you got the big expectation subversion. There are little ones throughout, like yes. that Bruce Stern scene. That like, is a great mm. example. That's probably more, there's way more, uh, suspense to that than there is to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just the left turn that I mm-hmm. enjoyed and it was, it turned into like a thrill ride. And it was maybe the, f- probably because it was less, I mean, it's, it's all appropriation, but it feels less like a cultural appropriation mm-hmm. that I could just sort of sit back and enjoy. And it feels more like an amusement ride. Mm-hmm. Whereas the violence in, in Glorious Bastards and Django Unchained is like, yeah, get him. Yeah. You go get him. This is like. Well, this was you who got him too. It was, but this was also like. It was, it was, you don't have crazy. a whole history of. There's the randomness not, of it. Yeah. We have the history, right. we have the history, actual, of, the, actual history, history of the man's bring in, yeah, right. of knowing the thing. And but they give you enough to know, and they give you enough reminders of like, oh yeah, Sharon Tate was kind and wonderful and pregnant. And these dudes are assholes. And they're monsters, yeah. yeah. I also loved that when they show her watching Wrecking Crew, it's the actual footage. And they didn't recreate yes. the footage. Mm. You're actually seeing Sharon Tate, which now, 50 years later, Sharon Tate got seen on the big screen by tens of millions of people 
in a movie that is might win the best picture of the year. Like that is she's not nominated. In in no in no way is there justice in this. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. In a tiny, tiny micro sense. Even the narrative device of using Steve McQueen at the Playboy Mansion to explain the relationship <laughs> between her and Roman Polanski and the character that Emil Hirsch played, who was also a murder victim that evening. Like everybody yeah. in that house mm-hmm. was killed. Sebring. Sebring. Jay Sebring. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's, it feels like he took everything he had done well before. This felt like an evolutionary step for him or at least a way for him to go, Here's all the stuff I, that I do that works. I'm going to put it all in one movie for you. And it's going to track, it's going to track almost a hundred percent to where it should go. And I'm going to use Al Pacino in like the best way you could use him mm-hmm. in a movie, in a movie now. Like he comes in like a special forces guy, does his job and gets out. And it's another great, uh, Tarantino, like little tiny detail of the Mr. Schwartz. It's just Schwartz. Oh, yeah. sorry, Mr. Schwarz. Like, what, just what a, like, just those little kind of moments of life that he's so good at. I think that was Luke Perry's last on screen role. Mm-hmm. His last, t- well, his last movie role. I and that scene's amazing. Riverdale that little girl that. is great. Little girl's great. <laughs> the scene with him and the little girl is very funny. When she's reading a giant biography of Walt Disney and he's reading a teeny little pulp Western. Yeah. That whole scene is fantastic. It's so fun. Who's the dude in the cowboy he's playing against? It's, uh, Tim Oliphant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Tim yeah. Oliphant. Who's, I was like, that's a dude we know. Oh no, that's just a dude I like from TV. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do think that scene, that scene could have been cut in half. Like that is a very long way to set up that, uh, oh, the scene he keeps that, messing that he's up? messing up and struggling in his acting. That was a good 20 minute scene. It felt yeah, but like all of it was good. In it. But yeah. all of it was great in it. But yeah. I also think it's supposed to feel that way because it makes you feel like he's going to make this day so long yeah. because he cannot get this shot right. Had he done it perfectly all the way through, mm-hmm. the scene would have been way shorter, but he keeps messing up. Well, and no, I'm like not saying also, it's also I'm saying that like, we're see- that we see so much of. Yeah. The but Western. That's what I'm saying. Is I, well, I like the amount of time we spent there. Mm-hmm. There's a rumor going around. It makes you feel around. the length yeah. of the day. Yeah. There's a, a rumor going around that Tarantino wants to do a five-episode run of Bounty Law. Like, actually go oh, make that great. or make a, like a spinoff off it or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. I kind of like to see his version of that show. The, those little bits were really good. His role in FBI mm-hmm. where he comes in. Just the, all, like – Everything about it. The more I talk about it, the more I like it. I wonder if it's recency bias because it just came out. But it, it does feel like the stuff we're talking about with this movie, you can't really apply to any of his other ones. But it does take that entire body of work to get to this film. Well, and also the thing you were saying earlier about Ghostbusters. Me. about me. Yes, you, Ben. Uh, about yeah. Ghostbusters. Like, I don't know if it was good or bad. It's just so much a part of my life. I don't know how I can compare this to Pulp Fiction because Pulp Fiction is one of those movies for me that I've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of times. So I know objectively that it's good, but like, yeah. I know it so well that I can't, that I can't, it feels, it feels difficult to make a determination to be objective on. To be objective on. That said, I, yeah, what are your, you have not, you have not said, uh, it didn't, it was, it, 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 it didn't thrill me. Like mm-hmm. this movie, like I recognized fun things in it. It didn't have a big effect. I think well, all yeah. you're saying is true. Mm-hmm. Like it's probably one of his best, if not his best, like most mature work and this 
Duffin'. It was entertaining. Like it didn't, it didn't drag and it didn't bump very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's not, it's not what I go to the movies for maybe. Okay. Okay. Uh, and that, and like if it, it felt so tonally different. Like we live in a golden age of tone where you can do so much. You watch Barry or you watch Death of Stalin and you see like that you can go from all the way over here to all the way over there in like a second, you know, like mm-hmm. there's so much and for the, for it to feel so like cartoonishly grotesque or grotesquely cartoonish. Like it was like, yeah, okay, I get that this is, but like it was, it was choices of like, how to show that violence that felt uh, ugly in a way that it wa- that the movie wasn't. Are you it, talking about the last fifteen minutes? Or? Talking, yeah, was it fifteen minutes or two minutes? Like that's the thing. Like mm-hmm. it, but it was it. It just it it threw me out of it in a way that was like, it, and it's not what happened; it's how mm-hmm. they showed what happened that felt like outside of the tone that they'd set up for this movie. Right. Uh, it was it was restrained, you know, and then that wasn't. And it, and it's fine. Like it's set up narratively, it's fine. But in in its in the total of it, like it didn't feel. It's not what I, it's not what I'm looking for in a movie. You know, the characters were right, mm-hmm. and they it wasn't. It, they they didn't bring me in. Like I'm watching them, and it's fine. And I get who those guys are. So it it's it was a well made movie in all the ways uh, but it didn't engage me yeah. because that's not what I'm looking for in a movie necessarily you know I, I don't gotcha. necessarily not necessarily in, along for the ride okay. for a Tarantino right just like, in general right yeah like Inglorious Bastards not Inglorious Bastards um, Hateful Eight threw me out of like even giving a about what that guy has to say so yeah. so yeah I, I watched it because it was a screener <laughs> you know, sure, and and, yeah. and there had, and people had spoken glowingly about it. So it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give a thing a try for a couple of minutes, and I watched the whole thing through, and like it was great. And there were moments of like real, you know, I enjoyed the the Margot Robbie of it all, mm-hmm. you know, and and those guys are good. I, I uh, DiCaprio doesn't really do it for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I I feel like I. I've seen the the limits of him. Yeah, right. Um, you, you, he, he's good at what he does, but it's not your. Alley. But is he like? I, I think he I think he's good at what he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 it took, he's good at being a movie star. It took until uh, until Catch Me If You Can to be to but, really be bought into him because that was the first time I saw him play. Everything else I'd seen him do felt overstated, mm-hmm. and that was the first time I saw him play a more more subtle. Yeah, and that was. Did like, you see Inception? I did see Inception. He was I so cardboard in that. I thought. Um, I you like, know Joseph Gordon-Levitt was interesting in the background of the scene. I thought he served the movie, and that well. might be why I thought it was cardboard. It wasn't, it, yeah. That was that kind of movie. It, it's hard to stand out in a Christopher Nolan movie. There, Heath Ledger did it. Like you're gonna like more. That's I mean, but that's like the role. Like yeah, that's him inhabiting a, a role in a way that 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 nobody else in that film could have. Mm-hmm. I think Leonardo DiCaprio does a good job of not. Be like the Pacino of it all now, mm-hmm. where if Pacino's in something, you ca- you have come to expect what he's going to do, and it supersedes the role. I mm-hmm. think he slides into stuff better than he should be able to, given who he is. Okay, yeah, but like, is it doesn't like it's not it's it's just not super engaging to me. Like That's I don't fair. I don't see like I feel like I'm watching him act as opposed to seeing the humanity of a character. Okay. You know? 
and and I don't know, like that's just subjective, whatever. But that's what yeah. this podcast is. No, this that's, podcast that's is that's objectively. Oh, yeah, we make the subjective. We make, we make the subjective objective. Ooh, so but we I have to determine, guys. Much like a Tarantino film, yes, we are running long. Um, um, well, we're going to cut out all that giggles. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> offhand, what are we thinking? I just thought of it again. Jeez. <laughs> uh, where where are you guys where are you guys standing right now? We've got a we've talked about all the movies. We have to determine what is objectively the best Tarantino film. I now am realizing that not much of a Tarantino fan, but True Romance is the but answer. You love that, yeah? Not a, not on the list. Yeah, just, yeah. No, he look, did Ch- not direct it, but he did write it. Tony Scott directed that. Yeah, I know. Mint Tony chocolate, Scott, chocolate chip good. ice cream is a delicious ice cream, but that's not going to win our best Tarantino movie episode. Maybe well, it now, should. well, you convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say. First place, mint chocolate chip ice cream. Second, <laughs> Second place, place, true romance. romance. If if that were if he had directed that, I think it, then I think it would be a worse movie. Could be, yeah. yeah. So you think he's better as a writer than a director? Uh, yeah. Having somebody else yeah. better with his written work better have better to have somebody else direct it than him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Do you think if if you took twenty, like if Wes Anderson directed Reservoir Dogs, how? If Wes Anderson directed oh Reservoir Dogs, it would have been beautiful would, and pass. Everybody would have been Mr. Pink. It would have just been pastels. Mr. Periwinkle. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Cornflower. Jason Schwartzman cutting off somebody's ear. Owen to, Wilson's uh, ear. To Britpop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or something in what French. What a drag it is getting old. <laughs> so do we agree that it, if you were to, to have it be a head-to-head, it would be Pulp Fiction or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Or Reservoir Dogs. Or Reservoir Dogs? Or Kill Bill Volume No, no, no. Like the first one, the masterpiece, the most recent one. Yeah. Right. I think uh, – where are you leaning, Mark? Are you going to go with – would you go with Pulp Fiction because that's – That's the thing is I I love Pulp Fiction so much that it's almost hard for me to be objective about it. But I would say that I think Pulp Fiction changed cinema. Uh, Certainly influenced it. Yeah. And I think that for me – I think it might be that I that that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was so recent. And you're right though, it did it took all of the best versions of everything he did and it eliminated some of his worst tendencies, language wise and otherwise, um that Pulp you Fiction. You barely see any feet in this one. <laughs> That's true. Well, um, you see a lot of feet in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah. It's like a foot fest. Oh, right. It's a foot fest. But they're always shod. You got, no, no. You Wait, got who's... bare feet in a movie theater. You got bare feet on a dashboard. Oh, I guess that's true. She you got does... bare feet walking around the house. There's a, there's a lot of shots of people's shoes, though, like lots of walking There are shots. plenty of shoes, but there are plenty of not shoes. Is he a foot fetish guy? Is that his thing? Yeah. You know, uh, it seems Just according seems to like everything it. he's ever shown. I was saying, yeah. You said that so objectively. It oh, was yeah. as if like Quentin Tarantino hack- said, hey, hey, Ben, just in case anyone ever asks objectively yes you can say uh, you're allowed to say i have no i say it like that because it feels hacky to say yeah like it's so observed you know yeah that seems to be the major no i didn't i i I guess i never to the point that it distracts people from the movie they're like oh that's uh there sure are a number of shots of bare feet in this movie Mm. so that they're bare feet in all of his movies not reservoir dogs that's true because it's because a bunch of dudes just a bunch of dudes Mm -hmm. a bunch of dudes like mr orange yeah. He was in that. Yeah, he was. Mr. Pink. Yeah. You mentioned. <laughs> Mr. White. Mr. Cornflower. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I would. Guys, name all the rest of them. <laughs> I would say, I, 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 I would say that as cinema goes, 
I would, I would say Pulp Fiction at this point right now. I, and, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to remove my biases again and look at it objectively. And I think that Pulp Fiction is, is the winner. That's just me. What do you guys think? When she writes, you're so cool on that piece of paper in true romance. I think. <sighs> Tell me more like, about mint chocolate chip ice cream. That is just, it's the best expression of love in movies maybe like it's up there yeah you're so it's a true romance is inarguably awesome yeah but yeah. it's not more fun to watch than any of these <laughs> okay right val kilmer yeah plays he's elvis yeah your grandpa my grandpa elvis my grandpa elvis played by uh nick rivers mm-hmm. full circle yeah. yeah i like that you call him nick rivers yeah Appreciate nick rivers american singer i know a little german <laughs> He's standing over there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we got to do this. We're almost at two hours. This is hands down our longest episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of edits. <laughs> there's a lot of edits. It probably is not as long as you are experiencing, listener. I think it's fair to say, while everybody's going to have their favorite, and while they all have pluses and minuses, that if you were to say what makes a film the best film in a director's canon is that it's the most influential and not because it's riddled with mistakes that people learn mm -hmm. from, but because it's it sort of changed and opened up some narrative rules, even if it was borrowing from a lot of other genres to do so, then I think that Pulp Fiction makes sense. Yeah, but let's go with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> don't let him do that, Hal. Don't let him do that. I don't it's, know. He's so it's convincing. my favorite. It's your favorite? Sure. You don't oh like my that God. much. I do, though. Oh, you do? You don't, you Will don't. you stop? You have to pick narrator. a thing. Oh God! So now that I've said, now that I've said, look, we're going long. We have to decide. Yeah. It's like it's like your one goal right, is to not decide. Yeah. Let's hang up. Yeah, oh, I just got one you more hang thing. Up first. Oh my God! No, I'm gonna. Uh, my vote is for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Your vote is Pulp Fiction. Look, I, I said it's it's hard for me to decide between the two. If if well, it is, I, I'm gonna go for Pulp Fiction and make you decide. Because I do think what the, why the why because I think Pulp Fiction is is a it's more influential. But a, what would you rather watch? That's the answer. Which would you rather watch? That's why I say True Romance. I'd rather mint chocolate chip. Right. right now, I'd rather watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is like if I was going to rewatch yeah, one. I mean, I would, I've seen the other two enough times. I've I never need to watch them again. That's true. Right? Like it was good. It was good. What I've is also good? seen Once Upon Once a Hollywood, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood several times now. Well, then maybe you don't like any of them. Do I not like any of them? Is that our twist ending? Oh, no. Is this a Shyamalan episode after all? Yeah. The twist it's been is. All, the twist it's is all, it's been all Shyamalan. <laughs> I'm fully comfortable with either Pulp Fiction or I think we all are. Once let's Upon a Time. Tie. Do you do ties? No, we don't do ties. No. So let's do a draw. Um, look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to throw this mic at you, and it's going to hit you right in the stubble, and you're going to love it. It's going to stick <laughs> right there. <laughs> Hold on. I'm getting a text. Oh, my God. Is it from Quentin Tarantino? The Venture Brothers panel is long over, by the way. Oh, good. <laughs> we missed out. Is that true? No. No. Are you really leaving it up to me? Yeah. What do you think? Oh, I'm curious. That's, well, that's what's hard is. I could go either way. But if you I could go either way. I think that... That Pulp Fiction is a more important movie yeah. in the is history it, of film. Is it? Like what? I think that what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood what, is a better film. What that Pulp Fiction influenced, what that, tar that people copying Tarantino is memorable. I think there's more nonlinear storytelling. That would be, that, that's the first there's thing that comes to mind. Like in what? Inception. Memento. Inception. Memento. Um, Inception. I think those, those ones are those guys that would have been doing it 
like maybe they made it more marketable. Some of these cars just drove Everybody by. Everybody hear just, that? By the way, that is you know a what that car, car. You know what that car looks like? It's from what? Once, Once upon, upon a time, time in Hollywood. Hollywood. The winner. People of the world. <laughs> Spice Some up your random lives. person. I hope you can hear it. Does this window open? Yes. I want. I want a soundtrack for this. Listen to that. Oh. Gonna have to bleep that entire song. That is a anyway. big. That's a big red 1965 Cadillac, right there. Yeah, that's there. right. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think that might be it. I think. I think it is. If I think, you're doing most influential, I think it would be Pulp Fiction. But if you I think go with Once Upon a Time movie, in Hollywood is a. It, yeah, yeah. It's the movie that showcases his growth as a as, both as a screenwriter in terms of creating a plot that tracks. Mm-hmm. He's always been great at dialogue, but the even True Romance. Is so crazy the best all one? over the place. Like it's so, cra- so crazy all over how the so? place. Just in terms of how insane. Like I couldn't even track. By the time they get to the shootout in the hotel room, I am generally lost. No, you're not. I'm not that dumb. No, you're not lost. You know who the parties are and why they're there. Oh, and then they bring them all together. Do not let him do this. We have already decided. No, no, no. We have already decided. I like that you have a folder on your iPhone called Twitters. And it's just all social media, <laughs> including email. All of your social media is in a folder called Even Twitters. his phone, it's all, you know, always writing. Always writing that pen. <laughs> He's always creating comedy. That's right. In, well, in stories. case someone sees my phone. Sure. They won't, they'll never think to look in there for email. <laughs> Good job, buddy. You kept it safe. <laughs> oh, God, the dog's going to come. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's, he's shown the most growth as a both a filmmaker and a storyteller. And, That's why I voted for him. That's why I got my vote. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ben yeah. was right. Asked, Asked and, answered. and answered. Thank you, Kyle McCowan. Asked and answered. <laughs> thank you, Kyle. And thank you, Ben, for being thank here. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> what do you want to plug? Is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, I got a webcomic called KidMidnightComic.com. Yes. It is about superheroes and feelings. It is the autobiographical webcomic of a teen sidekick. It is a thing that I do that I love that uh, I wish more people knew about it, but they don't. Well, but now a few more will they now. Do. They sure will. Uh, and also, coming soon to your Audible is a thing called Cut and Run, which is a rom-com about kidney thieves. And it is a giant three-hour Audible original. And it stars Sam Richardson and Rachel Bloom and... Oh, who else? Darcy Carden and Tom Lennon, and it is just a real fun and narrated by. It is narrated. Oh, it also stars Ed Begley Jr. as the crime boss of Dearborn, Michigan, and it is narrated by Meg Ryan. When does that? When is that available for release? Does you have a date? If you have, it's in early February. I will send you the exact day, and you will know about it. And that has been announced. Yeah, it has been announced. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's really a lot of fun. It's a crime comedy caper. Yes. Uh, thing. So have a subscription of- to Audible, and yes. then you get it. That's how it works. Like you have to have an Audible. Yes. Thing and you. But get well it. worth it. Like what a great group, and it's Ben and Ben's writing, and anybody who listens to our show is also, uh, if not if not at least aware and enjoying the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a huge fan of the Thrilling Adventure Hour. So you get to hear them working with a whole new uh, toy box mm-hmm. of actors and, and genre a little and bit. genre, mm-hmm. and this is born out of. Your original. Oh, this is born out of the original sketch that you. That I was in. You were I, in. Yeah. I was the kidney thief. I was the original kidney thief. Mm-hmm. And then that was turned into. What was that? Was that I, from. I was filling uh, in for Mark. Mm-hmm. That was in uh, America 2, right? Yes. Yeah. God yeah. bless America. One of the early Second City sketches that I wrote got 
turned into a pilot that floated around and then yes. got in front of the audible guys and it was originally, which is always it's just really fun it was me and annie originally mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then and then in the film version it was paul and paget right. and ethan so embry in a bathtub embry, right uh which was fred in the, uh, uh, in the original yeah. sketch show and then it's and now it's become this i love that it's it's such a fun premise. Is that, the be, is that really and the premise is not the premise. The, it was but a sketch about a guy who. Uh, yeah, had, that sketch is both, brilliant. Yeah, it's a silly sketch that you could find if you YouTube Google kidney thieves yeah. and Paul F. Tompkins, and you can mm-hmm. see Paul and Paget and Ethan Embry in the genesis of this thing. But what it was born out of the fun relationship, the work spouses that are yeah. the doctor and the con artist who steal a kidney, yeah. um, and then it, this piece is about what. That profession, how that profession affects the romantic relationships of each of them. Yeah, I love. I love. The, I love. <laughs> Kidney thievery is that. Ben Acker's Quentin Tarantino's feat. Yes, it's just something he keeps going back to. Mm, I mean, I, look, if you're going to accuse me of keeping going back to a thing, <laughs> we did the thrilling adventure hour again last night. That's right. Yes, we did. And you're blast. Year what? Year, year 15. 15. So high five, wow. fellas. How's that? Well, for a show that ended five years ago, it continues, should, including uh, new studio recordings of the podcast, both uh, classic episodes and new episodes mm-hmm. available twice a month. Mm-hmm. So you can also listen to that. But check out this series, Cut and Run, on Audible. Mm-hmm. All those great cast members, Acker and Blacker, at work, directed by the great Alex Barreto. Oh, yeah. She was great. She's awesome. Who is wonderful. Who has directed, I think, both of us before. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, check it out. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, brother. Man. Thank you. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this topic is closed. There are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets. Check out the Maximum Fun subreddit or you can email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com or go to the Facebook group. Talk about the Quentin Tarantino films you love. Let's celebrate what you love rather than talking about why you're upset. The thing you like did not get picked as the best because we're all people here. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash We Got This Podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer. Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, our listeners, for giving us yet another opportunity to sit down with one of our dearest friends and talk about things that we love. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And for me, I'm me. And for Send ben, butts ben and ben. hair to Mark Gagliardi. <laughs> no butts and hair. <laughs> and don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.